This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where one pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick. I'm joined this evening by Ryan McCluskey. It is Wednesday, which means we're in for the next instalment of the college football podcast, Flight of the Jayhawks. Um, another week has passed. We're nearly a quarter of the way through this college football season already, Ryan, for some teams. It's, uh, it's going quick this year, isn't it? Yep, it's going a lot quicker than it feels like it was away in age, but it's come back and before we know it, we'll be talking about bowl games, playoff committee meeting up and the likes of uh, national championships. It, some people are already starting to pull away from the pack and some teams are just clawing away at the bottom and the in-between is just chaos. Like I said, there's nothing to separate at least 100 teams in the SPF right now. No, absolutely. And there are some surprise teams at this moment in time who are still unbeaten. And there are some surprise teams who are not doing so well either. We're going to talk about all these coming up. Week 3, not been as chaotic as Week 2. Week 2 was full-on blood week where there were upsets here, there, everywhere, all over the place. They were they were minimal this week, but uh, still a lot of interesting results to talk about. So we've got a lot to go through today. Like I say, we're going to review Week 3 then... We're going to chat about the players a little, because up to this point, we've mainly been sort of reviewing the games, previewing, etc. Because so early in the season, it's very hard to get a bearing on the players, who's doing well. You've got to wait until you're a little bit into the season before you start doing anything like this. So we're going to have a we're going to have a chat about some of the players who've impressed us so far, and we're going to have a chat about some of the the stat leaders at this moment in time. We're going to have a look, see who's setting the the pace in regards to how the early season goes. Before we do. Just want to welcome everybody in this evening. Already seen a few people in both sides of the chat. So on YouTube, Super Cyan Lions is in there. It says, what up ROTL UK? What up Doe to you, good sir? Hope you are doing well. Grandizer is in the building. Uh, fancy this, there's those blokes. Good deal, no rubbish. Was watching a documentary about Northern Soul at Wigan. Remember the lovely spinners. Ah, yes, that was a little bit before mine and Ryan's time, but I know my stepdad massively loved the uh, the Northern Soul scene of Wigan Pier. It was something to behold. Um, yeah, it, it was it was really something to behold, that was. So, uh, shame I couldn't do it in its heyday. But, yeah, I love Northern Soul. I love Motown. Motown's why I'm into the Detroit Lions. So, you know, big part of, uh, big part of the culture there. Just uh, moving on to Twitch, I've seen uh, Ashes in there. Derek Bo Barrick is in as well. He goes, whoop, what up, doe? Victory Week, loving this, loving Victory Week. Everybody is so happy in there. Asher's in as well. Um, I think I've seen Big Aries in there as well. Derek Bo Barrick has subscribed with through Prime with us again. That is seven months in a row. We really, really thank you for the support there. Um, 
thank you for everyone who comes in and supports us. We really do appreciate it. Flyard Condor is in as well. He says, what up, Doe, from Cali? What up, Doe, to you, good sir? Hopefully the weather is a bit warmer there for you than it is for us. We're starting to head into autumn now, and it's the temperatures are starting to plummet. It is, uh, yeah, it's getting cold. Um, just going to quickly do our housekeeping before we get into everything today. So, Roar of the Lions Discord, if you're not in there yet and you want to get involved, just let us know and we'll hit you up with a link. Um, all good fun in there, lots of good chat in there at the minute. Lots of positive chat because of the win this week. The Roar of the Lions main podcast, the week just gone by, we got to do a Victory Monday stream, which was amazing. Myself and, actually me and Ryan again, you've, you've, you've seen a lot of me and Ryan this week, but we had, a, we had a good laugh with that. So if you've not seen it already, do go check it out. It is up on AudioPod as well. And we will be back with you tomorrow. Uh, it's the Minnesota Vikings preview. We have our regular... CJ, he's a Minnesota Vikings fan we've had on the pod a few times. We've got him coming on the show. And thanks to Grandizer, who's in the YouTube chat, I've got a few leads that I'm working on at the minute. So hoping to get a couple of Vikings contributors on because I don't think there's many of the uh, I don't think there's many of the home panel here for tomorrow. So it's gonna be fun. Macy is outnumbered, but we'll have a we'll have a fun stream with them. Don't forget to like and sub to all the usual things. YouTube, Twitch, etc. We really appreciate you all for doing that. And don't forget we are a part of Lions Nation Unite, the app ran by Herman Moore or created by Herman Moore. It is a lovely, lovely application full of Detroit Lions regular fans creating content for the consumptions of One Pride. We're on there. There's loads of other great pods on there. Detroit Lions on the Prowl, Micro Mike. It, you know, just too many worth mentioning at this moment in time, but it is really good. So, yeah, go check that out if you can. We're, we've got Tim Forston in the YouTube chat as well. He goes, we're having another hot week in South Carolina, but Saturday morning supposed to be in the 40s. Is, is, is that like Celsius or something down there? I imagine it's a lot hotter than still what it is here. I think we're down to about 10 where we are. Um, but, yeah. Thank you to everyone who's joined us in the chat. If you have questions, put them in there. If I don't pick them up right away, then I will get to them. But we are here to talk all things college football this evening. And as we have been at the start of this season, we have, in fact, no, we're going to do the news first before we go on to that one. So this is very pertinent to Rye, this story is here. The second head coaching sacking of the season has happened. Scott Frost got his marching orders from Nebraska last week, we said it would be the first of many, and the second has arrived and potentially perhaps happened on the football field after the game itself had occurred. Arizona State have done away with Herm Edwards. He is gone after, quite frankly, they got whooped at home by Eastern Michigan. Ryan, initial thoughts on this one. I know you were you were ready to see him go. You didn't think they were going to get rid of him so soon, but they surprised you on this one. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Don't think he should have made this season. It's, part, it's a big part of his fault that they're under NCAA sanctions. They're about to get shafted with a broom handle in the next year or two because the current AD, president, head coach, collectively and all the staff held illegal campus meetings for recruits while COVID was happening on. I want everyone to go. The, pro the program is in free fall. The team's crap. Scholars have left. We're going to get hit with probably a bowl ban 
get some scholarships taken away, some large fines, and I'm glad. I'm, I hope he was fired on the field. I hope they said you're sacked on the field because he deserves it. Like I say, he's not very likable. There's not many people likable in the programme, so thank God, but I don't know who's going to take the job. I think you're stupid if you take the job. Pac-12's on its ass. Like I say, great stadium, good history and that, but the programme's not going anywhere. So people are saying this is more attractive job than Nebraska. I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that for one minute. So, yeah, it's cost us about $7.5 to fire him. I'm pretty sure that was what his contract buyout was, so it's cost him a fortune. But it is where it is. I'm, I'm more worried about the, like, 2,100-day record of not losing to Arizona because it's coming to an end. I will be putting money on them losing the Territorial Cup this year, and that's what's going to hurt a damn sight more. Yeah, it does seem to be a case of Zazavian Valaday versus everybody at the moment. The poor guy's trying to put this team on his back and run them to success, and uh, he's not getting very much help here. So yeah, Herb Edwards, he was 26-20 and 20 altogether. He went 17-14 and 14 in the Pac-12. He's got one bowl victory in three attempts, but never finished higher than second in the Pac-12 South. So he has no divisional that bowl victory was against to Florida his name. State, might I add. <laughs> that was the Sunball victory, I must say. <laughs> Ooh, burn to ash early, and it's not even from me. Um, yeah, so you mentioned he's overseen the program. It's been engulfed in scandal by the NCAA, so apparently they were trying to recruit high school players in what was the so-called dead zone in the 2020 COVID season where teams were prohibited from recruiting. Obviously, recruits couldn't travel cross-country to get to schools, whatnot. A uh, ban was put on it, but apparently they carried on doing so. It's not been confirmed yet, I don't think, but it looks like that's what they have been doing because they've been a, a very naughty little school, as they say. Um, lots of coaches resigned. I think 17 players entered the transfer portal as a result of it. I mean, he survived that. He survived a few really bad seasons there, but he's not survived the one and two start to this season. They were pushed aside by Oklahoma State and then got demolished by Max Side East Michigan, who unveiled a Matt Banner on the pitch. It's like that's the ultimate insult, that one, isn't it? I, I don't. Did you watch the game? Yeah, I watched majority of it and then watched their uh, highlights. It was it was pitiful. And now they've got Utah, yeah, and USC, and yeah, now we're just going to get shafted. So can kiss goodbye to any ball game this season. It's they're going to get spanked now, week in week out. Running backs, interim coach has taken over. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, is he taking over in the short term? Well, you know, at least he's doing a good job with Valaday. Valaday's like the one guy on the team who's been doing something there for them. But I mean, God, on the other side. Samson Evans for Eastern Michigan, 258 rushing yards and a touchdown on 7.2 yards per carry. I mean, it's it just says the state of what your franchise is in when a Mac team's running on you at 7 yards per clip on your own ground. That's just, you're losing the trenches there, and a Pac-12 side should not be losing the trenches to a Mac team, really, should it? I mean, like you say, do you, you think a ball is beyond them this year? Oh, yeah. But this this team doesn't deserve a ball. Like I said, even if they win a ball game, sanctions come in. Just be taken off them. Yeah. So uh, it, it don't really matter. Yet. So Henry Jones ain't a bad guy. He's not a bad quarterback. 
He's not lying up the numbers. It's very safe. It's very basic. Where wide receiver car, Ricky Pearsall left to Florida. There's there's no there's no left. Defense, two corners best corners went to draft. Have both now started an NFL game. There's no one left behind. Half the defense, like I say, entered the portal. So it's it's weak. So yeah, they're no longer the best team in Arizona. No. No, I think you say it's going to be a tough one when Arizona come to visit. They look all right at the minute. Big Airy 70 says, rough pack 12 record, win in the conference, you can keep a job. Absolutely, but slightly over 500 for a team of their reckoning is not good, especially when the pack 12 there are a lot of bad teams in there at the moment. He also says, losing to EMU is rough, but he goes, but I'm biased, fire up chips. So, guessing he's a central Mish fan, so... There you go, but yeah, fair play to Easton, they did well, and Herm Edwards has gone, and I know that there are a lot more coaches on the hot seat this week, we'll talk about some of them later. Dan McGuinness joined us in the YouTube chat, he says, alright fellas, you all good? Yes we are, thank you very much for joining us, good sir. Right, let's crack on with some action from week three. Obviously we're going to start it off as we usually do, Ryan's take on the fashion outfit, uh, the fashion circuit this week in college football, we love to have a look at some of the unis that are going on and that and we like to pick out the good ones and we like to critique the bad ones. Ryan, uh, what's going on in Fashion City this week for the college football scene? Well, I'm going to start off with something that might upset people. Those Notre Dame univer- unis are fucking ugly. That horrible green and gold is fucking manky. Like, you're just weird if you like it. They don't go together at all. I like the chrome domes, but the uniforms awful and they pretty much sum up how crap their season is as well so i'd say everything is not looking rosy under marcus freeman but hey it's not his fault uh but there've been some really nice uniforms i'll start off with my favorite helmet of the week that'll go to the tulane green wave had a lovely sky blue helmet with a nice green like a smiley wave on it doing a high five but their their uniforms look really nice this week uh, up in number two, I've got Utah Utes. They had a lovely red shorts, black and red striped top, and then like a, a tribal, or like a Pacific patterned red and black helmet with a nice U on it. It did look really good. It, it, it gave me like Hawaiian or like Polynesian vibes uniforms. They did look good, like I said. But number one, I'm actually going to give to Eastern Michigan. Like I said, how, they had white tops, like series silver numbers, pewter shorts, and then their helmets had like bolted, welded gunmetal E symbol on a silver helmet with like a chrome silver face mask. It's probably one of the best uniforms of the season so far because you look at the books and they're pewter, it looks shit. Grey is a hard colour to work with. But so far now, back to back, Washington State and the Eastern Michigan have made grey look really good. It's not an easy colour to pull off on a uniform because it can be a bit dull and a bit miserable. But yeah, they looked good. They played good. And yeah, uh, there's some good uniforms this week. Oregon, I'm not even going to put them in because I'm just bored of them. I'm really bored of Oregon and their uniforms. Uh, everyone thinks like, oh, what they're going to do this week. It's not new anymore. They're not the next big thing. They've washed out. Like The highlight colors are gone. Like say, like Oregon need to mix up. Unless they do something big, I'm not going to be putting them in a list all season because they have bored. They're boring now. You know, what? I, I'd agree with you for most. Of that. I'm surprised you went for the Eastern Michigan, given that they beat you all now, Ramble. You know, 
fashion waits for no one, even if the opposition beats you this week. So, yeah, great week for Eastern Michigan. The fire with the uniforms, fire on the pitch. I fully agree with that one. You've incurred Asher's wrath on Twitch. He says, how dare you snub the ice whites of FSU. I mean, for me, I think they're one of the few teams who made Icy look bad. I don't think they look very nice at all. I, I, I it's going to be icy white. It's all white. Like yeah. the uni- I like the helmet, but yeah. get get rid of the other stuff. Yeah, Just have white uniforms. I don't want. It's not icy white if it's covered in red. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, like I say, I, I preferred the other helmet. The helmet were decent. I'll give you that, Ash. But the uniforms not so great. So yeah, that is the uniform watch there this week. Now we're going to dive down into the games and as usual we'll go through the 10 games we had up on the pick watch and we'll uh, pick a hand few of the other games to go through as well but right i'm gonna before we start on the pick watch results this week some of the great games we had in there there's one team who i really do want to give some love to this week and we're going to start with them because we've named the show after them i mean this is such a crazy college football season marshall got a show named after them last week Obviously, because they went in and beat Notre Dame. This week, of course, we're talking about the Kansas Jayhawks, usually the laughing stock of the Big 12, at least in recent years, time gone by, they've been the laughing stock of the Big 12. Currently sitting top, number one, they are leading the Big 12 as it stands after back to back road wins. First away at West Virginia the other week, and then this week they went to Houston. And to put it quite bluntly, they absolutely wiped the floor with Clayton Tune and Co. Houston Wise. The game ended up 48-30 to Houston, and Kansas have one of the highest scoring offenses in all of college football at this moment in time, and they've played some good opposition. I think the other one they played was Tennessee Tech, um, obviously FCS team, but these two victories on the road i'm not sure the last time they managed two victories on the road they're 3 and 0 for the first time since 2009 i can't remember the last time they ever won back to back road games but something good is happening there with the jayhawks isn't it right i mean this is a team that struggled for ages but lance leopold who's there now they're three games into the season and they're already halfway towards bowl contention 3 and 0 two really impressive road wins there they seem to have found themselves a guy at quarterback in Jalen Daniels I mean this week alone 158 yards through the air with three touchdowns he had 123 yards and two touchdowns on the ground and after the first quarter of this one it was 14 all after the first Houston just faded and Kansas really were dominant in this you wondered if the West Virginia one was kind of a fluke but this team could just be for real this year uh, yeah, and it's nice for Kansas fans because, with no disrespect, Kansas Jayhawks football for the last like five, six years has been utter trash. They've been pathetic. They should have been in the FCS. Like I say, they, they did not belong in the FBS whatsoever for the last few years. They've been abysmal. They've they've caused the odd close upset, like say the Oklahoma game last year where they went crazy and almost pulled off a, a ridiculous upset. But they've always just been up and down. Like I said, they're a basketball school. They've never got the recruits because of where they are. They've never been able to keep any good players in state. They've never been able to attract many good players in the portal. And they've also just not had many profiled names even suit up. And the head coaches there have always just had limited to work with. 
and they've just made the best of what they can and that's usually been three, four, five wins in a good year. But this season, I think a few teams this year I tried to like tide, tide, turn the tide. Then, like Old Dominion, Duke, they've all got quite a few wins between them so far this year. And all of them have had some really rough times of late. Like I said, they have, they have been pretty bad for a collective period. But this is the season of the underdog, of the team that has just been invisible and not on the radar. And like I said, I mentioned uh, in my pieces and team of watch, Lonnie Phelps, one of the sack mm-hmm. leaders in the nation. Big pickup for the Kansas Jayhawks. Like I said, it could have been a fluke last week, but then when you go to Houston and drop 48 on them and only hold them at 30, I suppose we've got to take them a little bit more seriously now. After like two or three, one or two weeks, I was not that interested, but now I can't ignore them. They can't be ignored. Even what I want to do during the season throughout now, like if it tails off, which they may run out of steam, but they've given themselves a head start, which means now everything is on the table. Are they going to win the Big 12? No, of course they won't. <laughs> Are they going to make the Big 12 title game? No. Are they going to win like three and a half more games and get a bowl game? It's very doable. Like I said, when was the last time they were bowl eligible? Well, I don't know how old I would have been. I could have been a kid. For all I know, last time they made a bowl game, won it. It's going to be a long time. So this is going to be maybe one of those seasons that lives fondly in the memory of Jayhawk fans. And maybe this is them turning the corner. They may be able to pick up some good recruits into this year. They may be able to get some big names in the portal next year as well. Well, put it this way, the opportunity is there. Like I say, 3-0 three, three at the minute. Just had two road games, which they've won. They've got a three-game home stand now. Duke... Iowa State and TCU. So you would fancy they can beat Duke. They absolutely can beat Duke. If you can get one win out of Iowa State and TCU, you end up 5-1 and one after 6. Then, I mean, sky's potentially the limit for them there. The, the opportunity is there to be had if they so wish to. I mean, Duke, I'm going to watch that game. That If anyone says, I'm watching Kansas v. Duke, you think, well, why are you watching college basketball, aren't you? That's a fact. That's a final four game in basketball. Two three and O teams in the FBS. Nah, you think you're playing Madden or NCAA? That that just doesn't happen. So that is going to be a fascinating game because the Duke Blue Devils have also started really well. So yeah, I'm going to pay a lot of attention to them because Iowa State have not convinced me so far, and TCU will be a big Big Twelve game for them. That's a big conference game because TCU have not played a conference game yet. I know so. The next three weeks are going to be very telling. If they get out of that four and two, they will make a ball game this year if they can win one of those three games, especially one of the conference games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I would love to see it. I hope they do. And I think I'm going to be with you. I think I might watch myself a little bit of Kansas and Duke this weekend. So best of luck to them. One of them's going to be... I think Duke are three and... Yeah, Duke are three and... So one of them's going to be yeah. four and... So... Yeah, power play to them. Maybe one can sneak into the top 25. Who uh, who knows with that one? Um, oh, I you there. Oh, you were held very still there. I thought I'd frozen for a moment. Um, right, so let's move it on to the 10 pick watch fixtures we had for this week because uh, 
I really need to roast one team in here this week because they really, really disappointed me. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ken, Ken's in the chat. Ken Stowder, he says, Duke football, not basketball? Question mark. Odd. Yes, absolutely. Um, as Ryan said, there's some crazy, crazy things happening this week, uh, this year with some of the college football teams. Duke, Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt are a baseball school, and, uh, you know, they're, they've only lost one. I think they're three and one at the minute, so... All power to them. So the first one we had on the schedule was the Louisville Cardinals and the Florida State Seminoles. Florida State traveled to Louisville. They were one-point underdogs for this one. Very, very closely fought indeed. And it turned out to be very, very closely fought on the field as well. But Florida State came out on top of this one. 35-31 to 31 victors. Just had a little bit too much in the tank for Louisville in this one. I mean, gotta hand it to Florida State. This has been a real good start to the season for them. Um, they had their bumps in this one. They they took their licks. They really had to really had to pull this one out of the bag. Um, they suffered some bad injuries in this game. Jordan Travis went out halfway through the game. The quarterback, he got injured. Jared Verse, the edge from FCS Albany, who's transferred in, who's had a rocket hot start to the season. He went out injured. I think one of the corners went out injured. One of the linebackers went out as well. But despite all that, they managed to uh, they managed to grind out the win in the last quarter. It was 21 all going into the final quarter. But they won the fourth quarter, 14 to 10. Just eat this one out. Jordan Travis, he went 13 of 17, 157 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. His backup, Tate Rodemaker, he was six of 10, 109 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. The run game stepped up again. Treshawn Ward had 126 yards on 10 carries. That's 12.6 yards a carry. Trey Benson, 10 carries as well, 70 yards. So, running game. Really, really big in this one. Johnny Wilson, the wide receiver, 149 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 21 yards per catch. That Louisville secondary really, really got roasted, but this was the team that got roasted by Syracuse as well, so not much going on for them. Louisville on their side, Malik Cunningham, eh, he had a so-so game, looked good at first. He got 127 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He got 243 yards, a touchdown and an interception in the passing game there. But ultimately, they were just able to shut the run game down enough Florida State were to see this one through. It was, it was a very enjoyable fixture, this one, in fairness. Um, and Florida State, to their credit, this was a game they could have lost last year. And I think they did lose to Louisville last year. Uh, but they pulled it out of the bag this year, despite a whole heap of injuries. Promising signs for them so far. Yeah, it was. Might say it was fairly even. I'm now, I've now written off Mike Cunningham. He's a running back. He's a terrible thrower of the ball. I don't want to touch him. I don't want anything to do with the guy. Like I say, he mm. is not Lamar Jackson whatsoever. He has got a noodle arm. He's built like a noodle too. Like I say, good runner. He's dynamic in the rushing game. He has to basically take everything upon himself because the defense leaky. Yeah, yeah, Diabe, like their edge, Louisville. He's got like three and a half sacks this year. He is someone I'm going to keep an eye on. Though he is like six foot five. He is an absolute bruiser. So I found someone to watch there. Look, Florida State got over the line, but what at what cost? I saw the Jared versus injury, and it looked bad. His knee, it was a knee injury and he grabbed his knee straight away. And I'm pretty sure he has not 
they've not cleared him for anything yet. I'm pretty sure Travis has bounced back, but verse that would be the, the biggest loss of the season. Norvell said that both of them he's not too worried about. I think Travis is back training. I don't think Verse is far behind, but yeah, if, even if they're missing for one game, that's a huge loss. He's he's really stood up since Jermaine Johnson got um, drafted. People thought, you know, is it going to affect the pass rush? He's come in and slotted right in and uh, and done really well with it. But I'm with you on Cunningham. I saw some Cunningham to the Lions tweets after that game because he did make a few good passes in there, and I just was like, no, no. No, 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 and no. This is Malik Willis all over again. It's going to be Malik Willis all over again if he has a few good games down the line. But fair play, fair play to Florida State. They're having a really good season and uh, knocked off Louisville. And we'll see what they do next. Hatters House 710 has joined us in the chat on YouTube. He says, go UCLA. I'll be at the Rose Bowl next Friday versus Washington. Ooh, that'll be a tasty game. Penix and Washington are surprising a few people so far. They look, dare I say, a half-competent team this season, especially after what they did um, to a certain side this weekend, which we're going to talk about very shortly. But, oh, I'm, I'm jealous of that. That could be a tasty fixture, that, couldn't it, right? UCLA, Washington, two different styles there. One throws at UCLA, love to run the ball. That could be an interesting game to watch, that. Is anyone going to the game? Because... We've all seen the photo of the UCLA stadium. It's fucking dire. Now, I that think... I think stadium was empty. I, I think Chris... I think Chris How was can in a stadium be 80 miles away from its university campus? I think Chris... Something stupid like that. I think Chris Perfett did kind of quantify... Because he lives out in LA. I think he quantified it by saying the student... The school academic year hadn't started there when it started. So none of the students were on campus. But I could be wrong. Could just be talking out my ass, and they are really struggling, but yeah, it'll be fun. So UCLA Washington, enjoy that Hatter's House. Let us know how it goes on. We'll probably be watching, but hope you enjoy that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, next game that we had on the schedule this week. Ah, so I put two trap games into the pit watch last week, and like Wiley Coyote, I set the trap on the first one. And then I fell into it myself because I picked the team that I'd set the trap against. Air Force and Wyoming. Air Force 14, the Wyoming Cowboys 17. After how much we panned Wyoming week zero for that loss to Illinois. You know, we, we didn't think anything was going to come of this season for them. They won their next two. I last week said they're playing good. Their run defense is good. I think they can upset Air Force here. And then I ended up picking Air Force for the pick watch because I didn't want to fall far behind. And what do Wyoming do? They go and win this one. I mean, I just, I just, I just don't get it. How, how do you play so bad against Illinois and then you play Air Force, who look really good, and then ended up just really doing nothing out of any note there? I mean, Air Force were 16 point favourites for this one, right? And they lost 14 points only. I mean, explain it. Cat, two teams that are pretty good, and neither of them were great. I watched the highlights, it wasn't a very good game, but Air Force still too one dimensional. As Zeke Daniels is still a running team, and they just got clamped. And when your team gets clamped down, there's no backup plan, so Wyoming had to do very little to beat them. 
yeah, no, I agree. And you know, say so they just they just had to do everything a little bit better, and they did do. And when you stop these service teams playing, they become they become bang average. I mean, I don't know what to make of this Wyoming team either. They're three and one now. After that first week, they're three and one. They're performing really well. After all, they lost in the off season there. But I'll tell you, who I'm really impressed with there. There's running back Titus Swen. He seems to be having a hell of a year. He had 102 yards and a touchdown this week. He was going at five and a half yards per clip. I think he had a couple of uh, he had a couple of receptions in there as well. But um, yeah, he's really standing out on that side. And yeah, fair play Wyoming. I really don't know what to make of them now. I thought after week one they were done for. They looked uh, week zero. Sorry, they looked atrocious. But fair play Wyoming. Come back. They beat uh, Air Force. We both got that one. Really, really wrong. Now, the next one, put it in the blurb this week. There is a team who I am very, 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 very angry with, and that is the Troy Trojans. I am mad with the Troy Trojans. They were, I think it was 13-point underdogs on the road to Appalachian State. Mr. Genius here said their defense is really good. App State coming off a huge win. Not sure if they're going to be taking this one fully seriously, whether they're going to have a hangover from this. The Troy defense can come up in this game and cause an upset. And 30 seconds to go in this game. Troy winning on the verge of causing an upset. They've got the ball. It's near their own end zone. And all they've got to do, one first down, run the clock out. They win this game. Oh, no, 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 said the Troy head coach, the head, the Troy management. They decided, and the LA Rams did this at the weekend as well, so they, said they, they aren't the only team who did this, but it went really, really bad. They decided to take an intentional safety to try and run some time off the clock, because when you take a safety, when you take an intentional safety, or just a safety in general, you have to punt the ball away afterwards. Now, you're thinking, well, why didn't they just punt anyhow? Well, their logic was, we'll run it into the end zone, we'll take a safety, take an extra five, six seconds off the clock, and then we'll punt it anyhow. The only trouble in this game, it meant that they were within a field goal. I think they were five points, no, sorry, four points up when this happened. And all they got to do, take a field goal. Well, yeah, they need to get a touchdown if you punt it away. App State, got to drive, got to get a touchdown. By taking the safety, they reduced the option to just a field goal. So, Troy punt it away. App State get it. They've got about 17-odd seconds, no timeouts, anything like that. They managed to drive down to I think just just at the 50, just inside their own half. They have to take a Hail Mary. They can't get within field goal range to win it, so if they take a Hail Mary, what do they do? Chase Bryce launches it all the way down the field. It falls just short of the end zone, bounces off a Troy defender, lands right in the hands of an App State wide receiver and he runs it across the line when there's about five Troy defenders there and they somehow contrived to lose this game. Everybody else picked App State in this. Me, I picked Troy. I was the clever one until that play. I'm absolutely disgusted with you, Troy, for throwing that one away. But I mean... This was a great game up until that point. It was very close. The Troy defense looked very good. The offense looked pretty decent. Gunnar uh, Watson, Gunnar Watson, the quarterback there, looking really good in fairness to him. Chase Bryce looking as good as he normally did. Very even game. Thought Troy had just nicked it right towards the end and then that happens. I mean, 
Someone's going to be getting bollocked in that Troy office this week, aren't they, for that decision? Because it was appalling, and they threw this game away in the worst way possible. I knew App State were going to win. The moment they do that, I knew they were going to get a touchdown. The fact that it was handled so poorly and it was just put on a plate for them, it was just in the stars. If you're, if you're going to take an intentional safety, I you need to be like 10 yards away from your end zone. Because what is the point of doing it when you're going to waste like 2 or 3 seconds? You need to be able to run around like a headless chicken and then get tackled and kill as much time as possible. So... It was pointless. They might as well just punted. They didn't kill enough time whatsoever. So, yeah. And then, Hail Mary. When a Hail Mary happens, it's just... It's it's like the toss of a, toss of a coin. And it, like I said, it either intercepted, it's caught, or it falls short. But they got a lucky balance, and then they ran it in. And I'd say... For execution... They probably just edge deserving the win for actually getting it to the end zone in the first place. But yeah, they were let off the hook. Yeah. So, but I think App State, like I said, they rode the luck this week. Last week they were dominant. I think everything is going their way this year. I think a championship is written in the stars for them. Yeah, I, I agree. They look pretty good. They they just eke out these victories, and when you get something like that thrown into your lap, it's like the gods are the, the gods are sending you a message to go forward and and win a championship. So, yeah, I'm still mad at this one because I was just like my logic. I'm behind in the pick watch. If anyone doesn't know, I'm, we're we're doing a college pick watch. I am like behind at the minute. I am bottom. And my logic has been very good for most of the games. Just silly little things like this happen and make me look bad. And that, that one just really, really annoyed me. Um, so well played, Abstay. Troy, I hate you. I'm never betting on you again. I'm not putting you in it again, giving me the opportunity. And now I've got Ash making Achilles jokes and stuff about me. So, yeah, thanks for that. I'm getting, you know, Ash is returning fire after years of me picking on Florida State. So, yeah, appreciate that, Troy. Really, really good of you. Uh, on to... Slightly better news in terms of the pick watch. Penn State at Oban. Only a 2.5 swing in this one for Penn State. Only favourites by 2.5. Going to an SEC team wondering, can they go there and get the dub? Their, game, their running game troubles are well known when they play against better opposition. They can't get the run game going. They put it on Sean Clifford. And he, more often than not, does not deliver in games but open themselves, not really great. Their offense stinks. The defense is pretty decent, but it doesn't make up for how bad TJ Finley and that offense have been. But could they pull off a win here? Me and Ryan both went with Penn State, and Penn State obliterated them. This was a road game for Penn State, don't forget. That two-and-a-half-point swing, well, times it by about 12. They won by 30 straight points. It was 42-12 to 12 to Penn State, and I don't... I'm not really one for grandiose statements here, but I think we are witnessing the birth of the next great Penn State running back. You've seen Miles Sanders come through. You've seen Saquon Bartley come through. 
Learn the name Nick Singleton, folks. He was on my all. He was on my all RAS team for this season. The guys who I've been talking to, I never got to do it on this pod because the pods have been that long. I've not been able to fit it in. But he's the real deal, folks. This Penn State, they needed a running back to spark that room because it was really, really bad. And he tore open to bits this weekend. Ten carries, 124 yards, 12.4 yards a clip, two touchdowns for him there and along with Catron Allen he got two touchdowns on the ground he was running six yards a clip as well got 52 yards off nine carries and Sean Clifford I will give him his due he's having a decent year but he's got a run game to support him now so the pressure's not all over him 14 of 19 for 178 yards no touchdowns no interceptions but they didn't need to. He got a rushing touchdown on the ground. They did a lot of their damage on the ground on this one. And open. boy, oh boy, do they look bad. TJ Finley got hooked. 152 yards and a touchdown. I think he's one touchdown, four interceptions on the season now. And throwing about 140 yards a game. Robbie Ashford is back up. 144 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Tank. Tank was awful. Nine carries, 39 yards, did nothing. And I think they were averaging about three yards per carry on the ground, Oban were, and they just got nothing going in this one. This was a complete and utter demolition, Ryan, and Oban, yiffier for them. Yep. Not a very good football team. O-line's trash. TJ Finley's crap. TJ Finley's now hurt as well. He's been ruled out next week. So, God help them when Robbie Ashford has to start because he's even worse. So, their offense is screwed. They ain't got a wide receiver. They ain't got a pot to piss in at wide receiver. Tank Bigsby is an idiot for not entering the portal or the draft. Why on earth did he stay at Auburn? The twit. <laughs> Defense has just lost some of his best pieces to the draft. So, yeah. When Gus Malzahn left, he took all the good looks that Auburn had with it. I actually can't believe I'm saying this, but I, wish they, I bet they wish they had Bonix back. He's a bum. <laughs> so, yeah, Penn State obliterated them. Penn State are serious Big Ten contenders. Sean Clifford, having a good year. Above average, that's all he needs to be. He's got a five-star and a four-star freshman running back duo that can pretty much sweep most games for him. He doesn't have to do anything himself, really. Defence, stout as ever. Like I say, they've produced some elite-level players for the draft in the last year or two. Some good defensive players. And I'm sure we're going to be uh, talking about some more of them coming to the next cycle. So, I think this is going to be a good year for Penn State. And James Franklin, he needed a bounce back here. Because he's had some rough times in the last year's few. They have not contended very well. No, no, they haven't. And, you know, there's some big issues there. You want to know a really interesting stat in this one? There wasn't a single successful third down conversion in this game. Both teams were 0% on third downs, but I feel that Oban were just bad. They didn't convert anything, really. I don't think Penn State really got to the point where they were at third downs because they were running the ball so so well. Um, The red zone success rate, 53% for Penn State. 19% 19% for Oban, so 1 in 5 drives in the red zone on average saw success, and that means like a field goal as well. That doesn't just mean a touchdown, that means a field goal. That was 
poor as, but I mean, the Penn State defense just went to work here. They had a 20% havoc rate in this one. They had 11 tackles for loss and 6 sacks. I mean, Christ on a bye. That is, the, that is just the definition of, you know, havoc. I know it sounds really stupid, but it did. They had three interceptions on the day. They recovered a couple of fumbles. I mean, the turnovers in this one, two turnovers for Penn State, seven for Auburn. Seven turnovers for Auburn. I mean, good God. There's, uh, there's, there's keeping the ball, there's giving the ball away, and then there's just not wanting the ball. Seven turnovers ain't acceptable in a game. And this is an SEC side. They pride themselves on having standards. Even Vanderbilt are looking good this year, and you just can't have that. So Penn State dominated them from start to finish. Well done to them. What's their ceiling in the Big Ten? We don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see, because they're probably going to have much bigger challenges ahead than this. I think they're playing... They got Central Michigan and Northwestern next, and then the big one on the 15th of October. They're playing Michigan, so then you'll really see a test of those credentials. But yeah, Nick Singleton, the running back, he's a name you need to watch out for. He's he's carrying 11 yards per carry on the season. This guy is only a freshman, and he is going to be something fierce. He could be Saquon Barkley-Levelesque if he carries on the way that he is. Now, moving on to the next one, and good God almighty, we were wrong on this one. You you mentioned Bo Nix there, Ryan. He used to play for Auburn. Well, he's got a new team now. He's playing for Oregon. And Oregon, to put it lightly, have not looked very good this season so far. That was until we decided to bet against them. They were playing the BYU Cougars. And for want of a better word, they absolutely smashed them. Don't forget, BYU were ranked in this. Um, Oregon were not ranked, I don't believe. Oregon win 41 points to 20. Bo Nix had 222 yards and two touchdowns in the passing game. Running game, um, oh, he had three rushing touchdowns on this day as well. So he really had a productive game against BYU here. The defense finally stood up, started doing some work for them. We've not really seen much from Noah Sewell, etc. And I mean, Noah had another quiet game for the one here, but... Secondary was good, defensive line got a lot of pressure, looked like it was going on, and BYU, I don't know what the hell's wrong with BYU. Well, in fact, no, I do know what's wrong with BYU. There's no Tyler Alicier there anymore. So, Jaron Hall, 305 yards and two touchdowns in the air. Let me just go through these running back stats for you. So, running back, Christopher Brown Jr., 10 carries, 28 yards. Jaron Hall, 8 carries, 19 yards. Lapini Katoa, 5 carries, 12 yards. Chase Roberts, 1 carry, 2 yards. Do the math there for you. That's about 2.5 yards per carry. They could not run on this Oregon defense who got dismantled by a run game and bullying presence a few weeks ago. I I am sorely, sorely disappointed in BYU for this one, Ryan. They, uh, they did not show. Yes, it was a road game. Oregon were at home, and we did warn that Oregon slip-ups usually come on the road and not at home, but you were expecting a much bigger fight out of them in this one. Yeah, very disappointing. Let's say about, well... 18 months ago, they swept the Pac-12. They went 5-0 and against everyone they played. And they, they embarrassed them for like the first time ever. Uh, it was just... Yeah, Jaron Hall has got no help. He can Against good sides, he can do it on himself. But against a good defence, he really struggles. And I'm just going to say, I'm 
Bo Nicks, he can do what he wants. He ain't impressing anyone. If you shit the bed against Oregon, don't matter what you do against BYU. BYU will bang average at best. So to him to score five touchdowns, he's not impressing no one. He'll make good ways stat padding. But yeah. Uh, he, he ain't fooling anyone. We all know he's a scrub still. So, but yeah. I'm pretty sure I think they were ranked. I think they were both ranked. Oregon may remember. have been in the twenties. I think yeah. I think this week but, BYU were nineteenth. Oregon a fifteenth. Yeah. I wouldn't have put Oregon up actually that much with beating them. So yeah. It was they needed to get back to ways. Like I say, and teams in the Pac-12 as well didn't do great, so they did need to get the win. So it was one of those ones where it could have gone either way. But until BYU finds a running back that's actually capable of doing anything, the Cougs won't do anything. No. They'll, uh, they'll they'll go like six. They'll go like seven and three, eight and four, and it just won't look very good. No, I think. If you put a Ligier in this team, it will probably be playoff-worthy. I think they are really just missing that one home-hit running back. He was a bell cow who did so much of the work for them, so... It's disappointing. Very, very disappointing there from uh, from BYU, but fair play to Oregon. They got the win, and that's not the last we're going to talk about Oregon today. Another team who disappointed us. There's a theme here this week, Ryan. We went all in on the Mississippi State Bulldogs playing against LSU, and they got their ass handed to them as well. LSU came out 31-16 to winners in this. Jaden Daniels, quarterback, 210 yards and a touchdown in the air, 93 yards and a touchdown on the ground running at six yards carry Armani Goodwin nine for 75 and a touchdown on the ground at 8.3 yards per carry the uh, the run game did a lot of the damage for LSU in this one Keishon Butte still dead dead quiet three receptions for 31 yards I, I don't think he's broken the 100 yard barrier for this season in three games in fact I don't think he's broken like 80 yards for this season after three games and he still does not have a touchdown um a lot of sacks in this one. Harold Perkins, one and a half sacks. B.J. Ojolari, he had one and a half sacks as well. On Mississippi State side, Will Rogers got off to such a hot start this year. Over nearly 800 yards in two games. 214 yards, a touchdown and an interception in this one. He only threw 24 of 42, so just a smidge over 50% there. Not really much run game to speak of. Jaquavius Marks, 9 for 50 and a touchdown. Dylan Johnson, 7 for 50 on there. Um, but I watched this. I was really looking forward to seeing Mississippi State. It was the first time I'd really watched them this season. And again, I was I was really disappointed in them. And I was really disappointed in Will Rogers. Air raid football. It stinks. Like you say, Will Rogers has to throw 40, 50, 60 times a week. And unfortunately, like you say, he'll win a few and then he'll lose a few. I'm surprised he didn't throw a lot of interceptions. That's usually how it goes for him. Like I say, he usually has a game where he throws three or four interceptions yeah. after throwing like five or six touchdowns. Yeah. The product of Mississippi State, the brand of football is not very good. Like you say, they're still using this archaic system. And when they come up against someone half decent, it just don't work. It's so telegraphed. You know what it wants to do. No ground game. I've seen Jaquavius back. He's all right, but he's like 5'9", like 2'10". He ain't going to beat someone that he can't pass the ball on. He's just not that good enough a back. And LSU, 
just round the defence. Average offence, not making the mistakes. Like I said, Boutte, Boutte will be in the pot, so Boutte don't want to be there, you can tell. I don't want Jane Daniels as my quarterback. He's, he's not that good. So, yeah, he won't be around much longer. I expect by the time the end of the season's come, he'll have left the programme. They're both just going to have middling seasons. Neither of them are the contenders anytime soon in the SEC. No, I agree there. I think, you know, this was a very disappointing one, and I think Mississippi State are going to fall back into the uh, abyss of all the teams that I don't really know about this year. They they had the chance, and they uh, they wasted it. And LSU, like I say, they are winning games, but still not convinced by them yet. We'll see what happens when they come up against the next big opposition they've got on their schedule. Um, file, next one. We've split on this. SMU and Maryland, Tanner Mordecai versus Taulia. Tongue via lower, two very high-powered offences. Which defence was going to come out best in this? You went with Maryland, I went with SMU. And uh, going into the fourth quarter, I was very optimistic in this one. SMU were 27-20 to the good. Tanner Mordecai thrown some picks, but still looking pretty decent. But Maryland managed to fight their way back into this. They scored 14 unanswered points, and this one ended by a score. I think it was only three points on the spread so you know it was a one score game there it ended up in a one score game Maryland win 34 230 um good game enjoyed this game a lot you know this like I say these are two teams we know are going to sling the ball around they are going to they're going to do some good things on offense you don't know what you're going to get with the defense turns out SMU Ooh, boy, they were really bad in this one. Um, 3% for their defensive run stuff rate. They could not stop the run. The havoc rate was 7%. Were not able to get in the backfield too much against Taulier in this one, and they allowed him to throw quite a lot in this. Less than 5 yards per play on offense, whereas Maryland had over 7. So nearly you know over 2 yards more per play on offense from Maryland for this one. Um quite similar in a lot of metrics in this one but Maryland just seemed to be able to get over the hump Tanner Mordecai 29 of 54 369 yards three touchdowns two interceptions um 54 pass attempts they had 24 29 38 42 rushing attempts as well so kind of about 60 40 in favor of passing in this one although they're starting running back only got 19 carries in this they, they didn't seem to really run the ball too much in this and i mean 54 attempts when you're winning most of this game going into the fourth quarter with a score lead you think you've run the ball a bit more two very costly picks from mordecai in this one talia he had a very clean game, 17 of 23, 214 yards, two touchdowns. He was backed up by a run game. So Roman Hemby, he had 16 carries, 151 yards. That's 9.4 yards a carry. He had a touchdown. Taulier himself, he ran for 51 yards at four yards per carry in this. Um, I mean... I don't know how much you saw of this, Rye. We were quite excited about this one. It was, it was a decent game, but... You see the problem with SMU here. It's kind of like, I guess, I guess like Mississippi State, they love to pass the ball a lot. And when you're winning a lot of the game and your quarterback's throwing nearly 60 times, that shouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. And they they gave up the win in this one, basically. They just fell asleep in the fourth, could not get back into it. And it was disappointment for them. But for your pick watch, good result. Yeah. 
I knew it was going to happen. SMU's defense, it's not good. It wasn't good last year. Whenever they got into a shootout, I could predict that they'd lose as many as they'd win because their defense was it's bad. Just bad defense. Like I said, Tanner Mordecai has to score as many points as he can to try make up for a bad defense. He's got, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth or fifth, is gone. That was the complimentary run game. He is gone, isn't he? Mm, yes. Yeah, he was their star back. He's gone. It's a one-dimensional team. And even when they win games, he still has to throw the ball 50 yards because it's another air raid offense. They don't know any other way. And, yeah, he throws costly interceptions as well. So you get the good, but you also get lots of bad with Mordecai. Talia, clean. He's also prone to making bonehead mistakes. He just didn't on the day. So, yeah, it was just one of those which defense can be less crap. Yeah, and, and they are going to get a test of their credentials this week, Maryland, because they're playing Michigan. You know, at last, finally, Michigan are not playing a scrub non-con. They're going to have someone Ooh. who fights back. But, That's um, going to be ugly, I think. <laughs> I think it probably is going to be ugly, but compared to everyone else Michigan's faced so far, Maryland can at least fight back a little bit. You know, all the other teams have been ranked 117th or less. Maryland are not that bad. They can at least put some points up on them, but uh, yeah, it's probably going to be ugly. But you'll see just about where Maryland are when they face Michigan this week. Um, Ken Stadder in the YouTube chat says, Wow, LSU are not ranked yet. No, they're not. Neither are Florida State, much to mine and Ryan's delight, because we still get to take the mick out of Ashley for it. LSU don't deserve to be ranked at all. No, 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 no. They, they need a statement win. You lose the, they've lost to Florida State, and Florida State can't play, break the top 25. So if Florida State aren't in, LSU aren't allowed in there uh, either. Um, right, we've got a few more left. I've got three more left to go in this. Um, Definition of an ugly game. Watching Texas A&M at this moment in time. Texas A&M at home to the Miami Hurricanes. Me and you... Both took TVD and Co in this one, and boy oh boy, was this an ugly one like the Appalachian State won the week before. Miami 9, Texas A&M at 17. My, you know, Texas is suddenly turning into Iowa all of a sudden with these uh, small scrub games that they are playing. This was not pretty. It was not one pretty one bit. All the stats in this one, offensively on both sides, they're pretty much all in the purple, which indicates that they're all very low when it comes to the percentile of what they were playing at. One stat, the havoc rate for the... Miami Hurricanes offense was 87th percentile everything else you know defensive run stuff rates red zone success rates third down success rates explosive play rates all like sub 20th percentile here this was not one for the purists Miami's starting field position was their own 18 Texas A&M's was their own 23 this was two teams who got hemmed back a lot in their own in their own half, right near their own end zone, and couldn't do a damn thing really about it. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, 21 of 41, 217 yards in the air, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Henry Parrish Jr. and Jalen Knight and the running backs there, they've gone about five yards per carry, but again, no touchdowns, no nada for them. This was just three field goals for the Hurricanes in this one. Um, in Texas's case, Max Johnson started. Haynes King has been dispensed with, at least for now. 
He didn't really have to do a great deal in this. 10 of 20 for 140 yards and a touchdown. Devon A-Chain, he had 18 carries for 88 yards, 5 yards a clip. Um, and Max Johnson had 7 carries for 23 yards. Um, A-Chain also got 42 yards on 4 receptions and a touchdown. This was kind of Devon A-Chain playing well in every other offensive player. Really, really looking bad in this one. Um... Yeah, not one, well, one for the defensive purists in this. A lot of good defensive football on display, but, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, I'm very disappointed with at this moment in season. He's like Anthony Richardson. There's a lot of these fringe guys who a lot was said about, and they're not showing it at the minute. Don't trust either of them. Not, I won't draft either of them. Like I said, they, they're frauds. TVD started well last year, started okay this year, but just goes missing. Texas A&M, a crap. Max Johnson is bang average. Like I said, and they couldn't even muster a touchdown. The Canes were pathetic. Everyone is furious with the head coach, said he was an abysmal performance. Texas A&M, not much better. Like they got a win, but did they actually prove any doubt is wrong after the App State game? No, they didn't prove anything. They didn't. They didn't do anything differently. It was just stagnant offense that just played into the hands of a defense. If you were a defender that game, you'd have loved it. Like no one was doing anything. It was just. It was a cakewalk, and yeah, it was A and M won, but we didn't really learn anything about them. I think we learned more about how bad Miami can be. But I called it last week. I said Max Johnson. I said King would get benched. And they brought in Max Johnson, and lo and behold, they win a game. He didn't do anything, really. He just didn't fuck it up like Haynes King did. <laughs> no, absolutely. He did what he needed to, and Texas got their win, but they don't look pretty at the minute, and it doesn't inspire me to watch any of their games currently. Um, Ash is on Twitch, as always. He says, uh, J. Trav, better than Richardson and TVD. Well, at this minute, at this part in the season, he's playing better. I'll tell you who is better, who is a draft prospect than both those this year. K.J. Jefferson. I know I've not mentioned him yet. I'm getting to Arkansas. I will talk about them, but um, yeah. Um, he also says, the, he said, the best thing about this game was it has likely swayed Hakeem Williams to commit to be a null. Well, it wasn't a very good recruiting game for either side. Not going to lie about that one. Grandizer's in the YouTube chat. He says, will we talk about Kentucky? We'll talk about Kentucky in a minute. We'll finish the pick watch fixtures off. I picked a few others from this week, but we can slip Kentucky in there and have a word about them. And we'll leave this. Uh, two left. Vanderbilt at Northern Illinois. Put this in as a trap game to see if anyone would bet against the Commodores. And I can't say Commodores this time because they are actually called the Commodores. Not like Washington, who have been calling the Commodores all last week. Only Matt jumped on this one. He went for Northern Illinois. The rest of us went Vanderbilt and Vandy came good on this. They won 38 to 28. This was not without its scares though. Northern Illinois were up at the half 21 to 14 but Vandy dropped 21 in the third and this one was over very quickly after that and you know they're looking decent this year. AJ Swan, the Vandy quarterback, 255 yards, four touchdowns. The running back, Ramon Davis, 116 yards and a touchdown on the ground, five yards a carry. They average five yards per game. Will Shepard, 
the wide receiver, 10 receptions, 171 yards, two touchdowns. He is currently the leading receiving touchdown receiver in the nation. He has seven already this season through four games. So well done to Will Shepard there. Hopefully that might continue for him. Northern Illinois, like I say, they looked good to start with. But um, I think, if I remember rightly, Rocky Lombardi went out this one injured. He was 7 of 7 for 79 yards and a touchdown. And then he left the game. Ethan Hampton, the backup, came in 12 of 19, 124 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Cole Tucker, the receiver, had a couple of touchdowns, 88 yards. Averaging 22 yards a carry, he got four receptions for 88. So good for him there. Um, and you know what? Vandy maintain a decent start to this season. They're 3-1. and one. I know they've beaten Hawaii, Northern Illinois teams like that, but you've seen how the scrubs of Power 5 conferences can be upset by anybody, and so far they've kept it in check. Uh, I suppose. Like, you, can't, it's ha- you can't get excited about it. Like, no. Because, yeah, the, conf- the schedule so far has been a cakewalk. Like I say, Hawaii, dreadful. Like I say, at least Northern Illinois managed to make it competitive. If anything, I'm more annoyed that they let Vanderbilt look better than they are. Mm. I think the only people I'm happy for is Vanderbilt fans because they're usually trash. So it's nice for them to just see them start a good thing. Like I say, it's not going to continue, but at least it's like going a roller coaster. At least you're looking on the way up. Before you go over a cliff and you come back down, crashing down at reality. So it's nice. Like I say, the Commodores started well. I don't think they're in the same league as like Duke and Kansas. I don't have this as a turnaround of fortunes. I just have this as, well, you got a really nice schedule. So at least they're handling it. Yeah, exactly. I'd so- love to see when the SEC games kick in. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that'll be a true test of where they're at. But like I say, you've seen some teams who've been upset by bad teams in the Power Five, you know, at least they're winning the games they should be winning. The one loss was to Wake Forest. Wake Forest are a really good side. They had Sam Hartman back, so you can kind of forgive that one happening. Um, right, the last one from the Pig Watchers, the one that we both lost out on again, Michigan State. Defeated roundly by Washington, and this was well. Washington were favourites, and we all thought, "Hmm, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. Washington shouldn't be favoured in this." But I tell you what, they looked damn good for what they did. This one ended up thirty-nine to twenty-eight in Washington's favour. I mean, Penix Jr. twenty-four of forty. 397 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, we know how bad that Michigan State secondary is. It was awful last year. It was the Achilles heel last year. It appears to be the Achilles heel again this year. Um, And Penix threw all over for a lot of fun in this one. I mean, they ran the ball okay. Cameron Davis, 69 yards and a touchdown. Only four yards a carry for him, the starting running back. The backup had three yards per carry, so... 
it went out special. It was just the run game again and again and again and again and again. Jalim Polk, the receiver, six receptions, 153 yards and three touchdowns, had himself a day and a half there. Michigan State, Peyton Thorne, 323 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. He was 30 for 42, so he looked a lot better than he has done in this season so far, but... You know where the problem in this Michigan State team comes. Look at the rushing. Jalen Berger, 13 carries, 27 yards. Peyton Thorne, 10 carries, 12 yards. Jarek Broussard, 4 carries, 3 yards. Elijah Collins, 1 carry, 1 yard, 1 touchdown. So, fair play to him. Got touchdown on his only carry. They're missing Kenneth Walker. 2.1 yards per carry and 0.8 yards per carry for the two running backs brought him to replace him. Keon Coleman, two touchdowns and 116 yards on nine receptions. Good for him there. No sacks. Michael Penix Jr. still not sacked once this season. Don't know what that Washington offensive line is doing, but it's doing something because coming into this game, Jacoby Winman, the outside linebacker for Michigan State, led the country in... Tackles for loss, sacks, and forced fumbles. He led basically every metric going for a pass rusher. And he did nothing. One solo tackle, two assisted tackles, and that was it in this one. I mean, they must be erecting some sort of force field around Penix because he's not been this good in recent years, and we didn't really think much of it here. But Washington potentially could be legit because this isn't exactly a bad Michigan State side, and they wiped the floor with them. See, it's a difficult one because, like I said, you ask me, I'll reiterate what I said last year. I'm going to upset your Spartan fans. You're total frauds. Kenneth Walker was your entire team last season, and you're missing him. You're frauds. Paint Thorn isn't good enough to lead this team without a run game. He just ain't good enough. And he won't last year. Kenneth Walker didn't turn up last year, the Spartans didn't. And we're now seeing the fruits of that labour. Jalen Berger. Is by nowhere near an adequate replacement. So, when teams shut down your run games, fans, I'd expect that you're going to struggle this year, unfortunately. Washington, like you say, Penix Jr., I still don't think he's by average. We've mm. seen it before in the NHL. He's got a good offensive line. Jackson Kirkland, he's got some solid tackles. It's a good line. Washington, I don't think they're as good as the record stands, but. I think for a Pac-12 team, they've got a good chance in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 still is lacking a front-runner. I think they can challenge Oregon for superiority in the Pac-12. They recruited fairly well, but yeah, this was a team that I'm glad someone exposed the Spartans early. Like I say, nice wake-up call for them Sparty fans. There's your coffee. Take it all in. So yeah. They, they, they have to find they have got to find a way to have a consistent run game I, I guess we haven't been the kindest of Michigan over the years so we have to dole it out when the Spartans aren't good either but yeah you, you, you can see when your running backs aren't averaging two yards per carry then there's something wrong there's something really wrong there and um, yeah and that secondary they've not fixed when Penix is throwing for nearly 400 yards on your ass and you're not sacking him, then there's something wrong. But I'd be interested to see what their offensive line stats are like. Three games, not a single sack on Penix. That is that is pretty impressive. And Washington have faced a couple of decent sides. Like I say, they came up against the top rusher in the nation this week and they kept him 
quiet. They kept him really quiet. So, well done, Washington. Um, so those are the pick watch fixtures we had from this week. Um, just a few of the others, because wow, we've been going a while. So we a few of the other results I picked out. Ryan, if you want to make any comments on them when I'm done, just let me know. So. Few other results of note: the Rice Owls beat the Louisiana Raging Cajuns 33 to 21. That snaps the longest winning streak that was currently in the FBS. Louisiana had won 15 straight games before this one. Not anymore. Rice had their way with them in this. Indiana barely snuck by Western Kentucky in this. This is Big Ten on. CUSA, Western Kentucky 30, Indiana 33. Indiana had to come from behind in this one from some distance to sneak an overtime win against them. Indiana just looked really, really bad this year. And speaking of bad Big Ten teams, Ryan, two weeks ago you saw, well, two and a bit weeks ago, you saw a very elated Northwestern team beat Nebraska in Ireland. <laughs> they beat Nebraska in Ireland. Last week they lost by a matter of inches because Evan Hull fumbled the ball on the goal line. Um, and this week, they got trounced by Southern Illinois at home. For the record, Southern Illinois are an FCS team. I think this was one of the only FCS FBS upsets They were 0-2. Yeah, 31-24, Northwestern lose at home to an FCS side. And that island, I bet they wish they'd play an island every week now because those memories are fading quick. Um, Wake Forest. Very, very, very close against Liberty, who were missing starting quarterback Charlie Brewer. Snuck past them 37 points to 36. That was at home as well. Liberty nearly pulled off big, big upset here. And then UNLV. We had absolutely nothing nice to say about them when this when we did the season previews. They dropped 58 points on North Texas. 58-27 winners in that one. Doug Brumfield, he's got the starting role there, not the guy from Tennessee whose name I forget. He is having a really good season there with UNLV, so fair play to them. But any comments on any of those ones, Ry? Oh, like say uh, the uh, well, we've not even mentioned the best game of the whole weekend, Syracuse. That oh god, yeah, that was the best game of the week, and I will no one can tell me otherwise. That was one of the best innings I've ever seen. Now, in between, Purdue scoring, there was a... This is how it went. So, they scored a touchdown and left about a ten, one minute, ten o'clock. They got an unsportsmanlike. The head coach then got an unsportsmanlike for arguing. That was after the extra point. So, the tight end that scored, the head coach. So, the kickoff had like 20 extra yards on it. On fourth down, they got called for holding to get on the game-winning drive to get off the field. They then got called for pass interference, which is really difficult. Couldn't get off the field again. And then they, uh, Garrett Schrader stood in the pocket, delivered a dime for a game-winning touchdown. And then Purdue were also called for unsportsmanlike conduct again on the, the conversion. So in between that drive, there were three unsportsmanlike calls within a minute, all on Purdue. And none of them were even on the field. And it was absolutely fantastic. They absolutely collapsed. Jeff Brown... It's probably pissing blood and it's his own fault because he got the second flag for arguing. That is one of the best endings I've ever seen. Yeah, I can't stop Syracuse don't know when they're beaten. And I'm not going to say they look legit because they'll go make me look stupid next week. 
But so far, they have started the season well, and they have got a really stingy defence. They have got some players that I want to see at the next level, including their star corner, Garrett. So, yeah, that was really fun. The the Salyukas, which is some kind of weird hound, Southern Illinois. Like, say, Ryan Helinski, the Northwestern quarterback. He is it's like antidepressants. Like, I can't, one week, he, like, just makes you want to, like, top yourself. And the next week, you're all happy and mellow. He's either good or absolutely dreadful. And I don't get it. I bet they wish to let Pat Fitzgerald in Dublin. He's on a hot seat. His record is like 110 and like 90. He's in a bad... He has like three poor years and like a 10 and 2 year. Mm. I would fire him at the end of the year. There's no justification for keeping him around because they're too hot and cold. But yeah, what a weird week. And Kentucky, I don't trust him. He didn't look that good. I don't really trust Will Levis still that much. He's still making bonehead interceptions. I, I, I'm really cooling on this class. Uh, I don't like Jared Goff. Still don't care for him. But do I trust any of the other quarterbacks outside of like Stroud and Young? I really don't know. I really can't commit to having a top ten pick at any of them right now. So yeah, it was a weird week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was surprised. I I was really shocked with Syracuse. They're three and zero at the minute. They dismantled Louisville. They beaten Purdue. I think the other was an F. Oh no, it was UConn. I think they beat. So you would expect them to win that. But yeah, I don't know where this U. I don't know where the Syracuse team are now. They played Virginia this week, so that'll be interesting. Cause that feels like a kind That's of game. They, that feels like a game they'd screw up on though as well at the same time. So if they can beat that. I think they've got Wagner after that, so that's five and zero. Oh. That's potential hitting, and then I think the, the uh, I think the tiebreaker, the sixth one's NC State, and no one, no one is beating um, Devin Leary. So not having, uh, not having that. Devin, Devin Leary's far too good for Syracuse. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm the same with you with this quarterback class. I'm not sure. So Kentucky, they shut out. Was it Youngstown State they were playing this week? Is it Youngstown State, yeah. thirty-one to zero? But he threw two picks, and you think, you yeah. know, you're beating up on an FCS team. You're ahead. You don't really need to throw the ball as much there. You shouldn't be throwing picks against a team like that. And it, it's just not good. Even though you're blowing them out, you as an, an individual quarterback, like you say, making boneheaded mistakes like that is poor. And this is coming from a Will Levis fan. I was disappointed with that. But I mean, Kentucky they did it when they mattered. They went to they went to um, Florida and won when it mattered. So maybe it's just a case of playing down to the opposition, not sort of playing up at their standards. So, you know, it remains to be seen with Kentucky. What are they gonna do? You know, they're three and That's a, that, that's all you can ask for, I guess, at this point. They've got Illinois this week Northern Illinois this week. Then I think the big ones next week, they've got Old Miss. So Old Miss will be the title credential ones. Old Miss have like the third best scoring defense in the country at the minute. So we'll leave this. And I think Chris, Chris Rodriguez back for that one. I think he's back for the Old Miss game. He's isn't back he? now so, on the team. Yeah, he's been reinstated. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he'll be back for that. So that will be interesting. One of the country's best defenses against um, Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez. That will be. One of the games we'll highlight going into next week. Um, Grandizers in the chat says Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. The mascot looks like Groke of the Moomies cartoon. I'm not familiar with that one, but I will take your word on that. 
Um, he says, also, Keaton Slovis, you've got to trust him, Ryan. No, 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 no. Ryan does not trust Keaton Slovis for a second. Today, I don't no. trust... I trust him to throw a game, I guess, but, you know, I, I don't trust him either at this moment in time. I think he's 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 got a lot to prove. He's done all right this season so far. I know they beat Western this week, but Western are absolutely beset by... Um, draft call-ups they lost a lot of their team this year and I mean it was only a one-score game till the fourth quarter so you know Salopec had an awful game for them this week I think he threw like four four picks was it or something like that so yeah not good but I mean Slovis is injured at them I don't think he even played did he this weekend is he's injured no, he's, currently he's, so he's Slovis JT Daniels they're basically you know if you squint really hard they're just the same guy Mm. I don't trust either of them. I won't trust either of them to do my washing without leaving a red sock in, let alone get drafted. I will say, though, that Pittsburgh team's full of talent. Israel Abanakanda is just going crazy at the minute. I think he had like another 140 yards this week or something stupid. Um, he's really coming out at running back for them, and they're gonna teams are going to have a massive problem with that. Oh, it was 133 yards he had and a touchdown. I mean, that defensive line still looks good. I mean... Savacchier Dennis is really he's putting his name into the draft at the minute this year. He's he's really putting his name up there as one of the better the defensive linemen coming through. I if he carries on like this, I would expect him to declare and I would expect him to get a lot of interest because he just dominates every game, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a uh, he's solid, yeah. I think this is the year he's definitely got to put his name in that. It's just it'd be interesting to see where he'd play him. Will anyone stand him up for him as an outside linebacker? Is he a pass rusher? Is he a, is he a five seven nine tech? I don't know. It'll be people where where do you play him? What do you do with him? This edge class. He's got a premier front runner, but then questions about the rest. Linebacker, solid linebacker draft. So he's going to have some competition. But yeah, he, there's no way to wait. Once all the talent leaves pit again. They'll be back to being, like you said, useless again next year. So you've got to leave when all the talent does. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'd expect him to go this year. And Well, I don't know. Pitt look a dangerous team. That, that, that backyard brawl is still one of my favourite games this year. So they will always have my respect for that. And they perform really well. So that is... Is there any other games you want to mention from this week? Or should we move it on? Because we've been... God, there was a lot to discuss. More than I thought. Any other games? Yeah. Not many. There wasn't too many that stood no. out now. There weren't many upsets this week. There was there was noticeably fewer upsets this week. So we'll move it on. So we'll talk a bit more about the players now before we, we finish off this week's episode with next week's preview. Um, so I sort of set a challenge to ride today and myself. Because uh, at the minute, early in the season, we've been talking a lot about the games. You can't really draw too much away from player performances and that at this time of year because... Someone could have a flash in the pan start and then tail off. But we're four weeks in the season, some three games in a quarter of the way. You know, we thought we'd talk about some of the players who've impressed us apart this season. Doesn't necessarily have to do with the Detroit Lions draft or anything like that. These are just names who we're quite happy with and we want to bring a little bit more attention to on this one. So I think I've got about five or six guys here. I don't know how many you've got, right? But I'll start with you. Um, who has... Yeah, which players so far? Which who's the first of your players who's who's caught your attention so far for how they've been playing this year? I have mentioned him, and yeah, it is a 
yeah, 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 there. Now he wears, I think, it was even number one or number six. Standout defensive end for Louisville Cardinals. He has looked, it's not looked great in the opening weeks, but he has looked good. Like I say, he has generated pressure. He's got sacks. He got in John Travis's face the other way. He's big. He's like six foot four. He's like, say, like two twenty, two thirty pounds. He looks like he could be a good pass rusher. He is having the best year of his career so far. He's only played like three years. He only had a few sacks last year, but he's nearly at like three and a half already through three or four games. So he's going to be one of their standout, reliable guys because their defense is leaky. We've seen so far this season their defense is not looking very good. But he is someone that will make standout players and will stand out. He will make himself counted and he will try to put his name in the hat to be someone that does get late round credentials or be an outside fringe guy that could be drafted at the next level. All right, I'll uh, hang on just one sec before we carry this on. I I have to address something in the Twitch comments because Ash is threading a very tight line here. He says North Carolina State are getting beat next week. No, they're not. They're playing UConn this week and they're going to win. They're going to kick Clemson's ass the week after, and then in just over a fortnight they're going to kick Florida State's ass. So we'll have enough of that. There, uh, we'll have enough of that, Ash. Devin Leary is a god, and you will soon be praying to him because he's going to destroy Florida State that much. Um, right, so my first guy who I've been really impressed with the start of this season. So this is the wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton from West Virginia. Um, he's 6'3", 220 pounds. He is a junior currently. Three games this year, 24 receptions, 296 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, I've been really impressed. It started with the backyard brawl that I watched. He always seems to be open for JT Daniels. He is really impressive on the perimeter. He's made some impressive toe-drag catches. I've been really impressed. Really impressed with Bryce Ford Wheaton so far. He's got the he's got the frame, he's got the height, he's got everything you want potentially to be a receiver in the NFL. He had a decent year last year, but him and JT seem to have formed a really good connection this year. And while West Virginia are poor and there are uh, murmurings about their coach at the minute, he is a bright spark for them. So Bryce Ford Wheaton, the wide receiver West Virginia, one of the guys really, really impressed with so far. Ryan? Well, I think we've mentioned him partially, but Charlie Joyner, like, this kid has come out of nowhere, the Purdue receiver. Like, how did Iowa mm. not want him? Like, in vain, like, saying that losing effort against Syracuse, he was a one-man show. Like, say, he uh, put on a clinic. He is not that big. He's not that fast. But he's got a crisp root runner. He's got those traits to David Bell. And he's a bit like a 7-11. Through three or four games, he's just always open. Like I say, he takes breaks. Like I say, he comes on the field. And so far, he has been saving Ed O'Connell's ass because he has not been able to click with anyone. TJ Sheffield just isn't big enough and strong enough to do it, against, go against defensive backs. But Joyner has a challenge. Also. He has been fantastic so far. He looks like he's, gonna have, he's having the breakout year because... Like I said, he was at Iowa for like two or three years. He didn't do anything. He didn't get any of the portion of the workload. They were never a passing offense. So they let him go to waste. He's come here. 
I think this is maybe his last year of eligibility. Yeah. I think he's in his fifth year now. So yeah, he is. He is putting his name in the shop window to be a UDFA kind of guy. He's got that. He's got that look about him as a potential UDFA day three pickup in the draft. But he's going to have a big year for Aidan O'Connell. Yeah, and you know, for me, this boosts O'Connell's stock because he's done it with Bell. He's doing it with Jones. You know, he's shown that he can create receivers and get them good yardage, get them get them attention. You know, I, I, I like the connection these two have. I think this is more on the Purdue defence this year, them sucking, than, than on Aidan O'Connell. Yeah, he's, he's had his issues, but yeah, his receiver, they look really good. He's, I'll double check it because I'll do the stat leaders in a minute, but I'm pretty sure he's second in the nation in receiving yards at the minute. He's either second or third. All purpose, he's up there as well um right i'm starting off a run of defensive linemen now the first one i've already vaguely mentioned him there jacoby windman the outside linebacker from michigan state i mean christ on a bike what a start this guy had he's 6'2 230 pounds he transferred in from ulv last year had a really good season at unlv so this isn't just like a flash in the pan this is him Carrying on good work from last year. Three games, he's got 15 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, one recovery, two passes defended as well. And no, he didn't really do well against Washington, which kind of maybe defeats a little bit what I'm saying here, but the game hadn't happened before I did this. So um, I already had a list of these guys who were looking good here, but he's been dominant really dominant so far he looks like he's got all the traits to be a high draft i don't know how high at this point but if he's able to pick his form up and able to sort of drag this michigan state team to a few wins on the back of it i really think this guy's gonna do well probably my second favorite edge rusher at the minute this year my my favorite one's coming next but yeah jacoby winman michigan state really impressed with what he has done so far back to you ryan Yep. Uh, I've been following this defensive back now for middle last season. Rez John Wright, the corner from Oregon State. The former last chance U star that went to, I think, I don't know if it was East Mississippi or his Liberty, but he's one of those kids that actually took the, he grasped the challenge by hands. He didn't down to Juco level. He didn't let him break it, unfortunately, like some of them did. But yeah, he's bounced back at Oregon State on the year. Only four tackles, but two interceptions and two passes defended in just three games. They are 3-0. They had a good year last year where they won like seven or eight games. The Beavers are trying to close the gap to the Oregon Ducks. And this kid's like 6-3. He has got length for days. He's built a lot like Iffy. He's got really long arms. Like I say, he like looks like he's hunched over, but he's just got that long, slender frame. And he is their star man. And he's building a bit of a draft talk as one of those late round guys that's got potential got the frame he can play zone he's strong in man and so far having a productive year as one of their best defenders and the beavers are sneaky they're going to challenge in the other half of the pac 12 for potential title game this year they are in the weaker half of the pac 12 and they're not going to go down without a fight in conference games so he's going to have a big year I think he's going to have maybe six or seven interceptions this year. Yeah, no, I, I can fully see that happening. I know you've mentioned him a lot, so that means I've paid some attention to him as well. And I agree with you. I think there's a lot of potential there for him. And 
potential for a lot of good luck for him in the draft if he carries on the way he is playing right back on to me and this is the guy I'm most excited about out of everybody on the defensive line there's another one I've got coming next who I really like as well but this guy plays for a team that I watch a lot who I'm very fond of at this moment in time because I love the quarterback I'm of course talking about Arkansas and the guy in question I'm talking about is Drew Sanders the outside line Backer. He is 6'5", 230 pounds. He has the frame. He has the frame to be absolutely dominating. He is a transfer in from Alabama. Never really got his chance there. He did see some snaps last year, but I mean, let's face it, when you're playing with Will Anderson, you, you ain't getting first team level snaps with him around and you ain't getting no attention with Will Anderson around because he's going to be the first round pick next year the way he is. He's going to be the first overall pick next year the way he is going. But yeah, 6'5", 230 pounds in three games. He has 28 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, two passes defended. And Arkansas have not been playing scrubs. They started off with Cincinnati, who were a playoff team last year. They had South Carolina. Spencer Rattler, the game afterwards, they invested heavily in their team this year. They've been really good. Arkansas did struggle with Missouri State this week. I'm not going to lie. They're an FCS team. They struggled a lot with them. But Sanders had, again, good production in this game. When you were 6'5", you're 230 pounds. You have the frame to completely and utterly dominate. And this guy is, he is explosive. He has a massive pass rushing arsenal. And, I mean, he gets to the quarterback like that. It seems the, the snap starts and he's there. It's just, it's disconcerting just how good this guy could be. There was a lot of hope for him when he first went to Alabama. It didn't quite happen, but again, when you've got the depth chart there, it's sometimes hard to really shine. Now at Arkansas, he's the number one guy, and they are unleashing him week in, week out, giving him all the snaps that he damn well wants. And this is going to be, I think, one of the fastest ascensions you will see up a draft board this season. You know, there wasn't a lot of chatter this year just because he hadn't played. He will shoot up draft boards, and I tell you, he will be one of the premier D-linemen by the end of this season, and it would not surprise me to see him going. Certainly in day two, maybe day one, if he decides he wants to this year. This is only his third year, so he could have another, but if he carries on the way he's playing, then he could very well go to the draft. Ryan? Yeah, uh, I've got a running back now. Now, Oh, I've got two. He's had... <laughs> Like I said, I've gotten I've gone from Central Florida. I've got Isaiah oh, Bowser. Fine. Now they're struggling at quarterback because John Rice Plumley is basically a running back anyway. No disrespect to him. Everyone who knows who he is knows he's a running back. So yeah, this kid though, he only touched the ball 150 times last year and got nine touchdowns across the whole season. He's got five touchdowns already this year. He's their offense, and he's only got he's only done that on 50 carries. He is on pace to smash last year's totals. Like I say, he's a little bruiser. He is so physical. And at the goal line, as you can tell, like I say, he is really hard to stop. And he is going to be this team's offense for the majority of the year because at quarterback, they're really struggling for any consistency and they're getting turnovers. So they're going to lean on this guy really heavily. So I expect those numbers to get smashed away last year. I might say he'll have a good year and I'd like to think maybe there's a chance he could work his way onto a practice squad or something next year. Don't think he'll be drafted. He's not exactly got the physical dimensions to do so, but he is physical and he's great and he's going to show that he's able to take an offensive put on his back this year, I feel. 
Well, that's it. This is not necessarily about draft stuff. This is just about the players who've looked good this year and who we enjoyed watching. And I agree. With, he was actually on sort of an outside list of guys I was going to put on here, but there were a few more running backs I preferred. But I agree with you again. Very, very good prospect there. Uh, Big Aries and Asher laughing at your uh, your camera angles there. Ryan Ryan likes to like do the matrix with his camera during these like all upside down and everything it is quite funny so yeah they do uh they, they're chuckling about that um right so i had a pair of running backs left on in fact no i didn't i have one more edge um ash he's here jared verse the edge i've been really impressed with this guy this year there were massive uh question marks about what would happen when jermaine johnson left uh florida state this year he's with the jets now looking decent as well and um there was a big hole to be filled they bought in the transfer from the fcs from albany he's 6'4 he's 248 pounds he is a red shirt sophomore and he's taken to the fbs like a duck to water he's got nine tackles four tackles for loss and three sacks technically in three games but he got knocked out for one of the weekend he did not play much so it's two and a bit games he's got this in he has been living in opposition backfields he made lsu's life a nightmare in week one he was also impressive against duquesne that was a good game for him i guess to start him because um yeah he uh, was able to play against fc opposition in that so um, I'm really impressed with Jared Verse again. He's got the size, 6'4", 248. He's a big, beefy guy. He will power rush through you, but he's also got a lot of aesthetic to his game. You see the swim move in there. You see the spin. He looks really good on his feet. He looks powerful. He's strong, and I think he's going to have a great season. So another defensive lineman. I love some of these defensive linemen I'm seeing this year. Some really impressive prospects there. But yeah, Jared Verse definitely up there and I hope his injury is not too serious and he is back very very soon uh, you got any more right yep my last one is a QB and he's one to watch for the future now I mentioned Duke are having a good year and it's because of this kid he's called Riley Leonard now he's a sophomore so he's only a second year player in his freshman year he only attempted 66 passes with a 52% completion rate touchdown and an exception across the season so he's a bit part player this season he's attempted the exact amount of passes 66 72.4 percent completion for three games he is looking good five touchdowns two interceptions and the blue devils are five and oh uh, three and oh sorry he's six he's listed at six foot four and 217 pounds so whether those measurements are a bit high or not but he's a big kid he's only a second year player He's relying on, like, say, uh, Jalen Calhoun as one of the star receivers, his slot guy. But for a team that has not got that much expectation, like, that he's got lots of room to grow. Like, say, and Duke have had some good players. They've had some good quarterbacks in the last year, in the recent years, on bad sides. Like, you only have to go to Daniel Jones, that's still in the quarterback, still getting jobs, still getting going to the pros. This kid has got a lot of room to grow. Like I said, he got very little work as a freshman, but he's going to make the, one of the biggest jumps in the FBS in his second year. They may tail off, they may stop losing games, but I think they found a gem. I genuinely think that the future, as long as they don't get any injuries or anything, could be bright. They just need to get him some weapons. That's all I want to see the Blue Devils do next year, is recruit or go into the portal and just give the kids some weapons to work with, because right now, 
he's doing pretty well. He's already got 700 passing yards, and that's like good for like 42nd in the nation. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly a strong offense, so yeah, he looks like he's going to have a massive year, and he might just be the future of this program. Yeah, no, fully, fully agree with you there. He he looks very impressive. So again, another reason to watch the Kansas Duke game this weekend. Yeah, we're not talking basketball. We are talking football. You know, you've got a very promising young quarterback on display. You've got potentially a very decent Jayhawks team on display for a change. So there's a lot to there's a lot to like about that matchup. So if you can find a stream for that, probably be one on YouTube. That's where I'll be watching it. Then then do so because it will be a fun matchup there. Right, and I'm going to finish off with a pair of running backs. I'm going to talk about one quickly. I've already talked about him. Nick Singleton, the running back from Penn State, already mentioned him. Running at 11.1 yards per carry this year. He's six foot, 217 pounds. He is a freshman. Three games in his collegiate career so far. That's all he's played. He's coming off back-to-back 100-yard games already. Started off slow in the first game, but he got 179 yards on the ground against Maxide, Ohio in game number two. And then he followed that up this weekend with another 124 yards against Oban, which is a step up from Ohio, even if Oban aren't great at this moment in time. He's got four touchdowns already. I think it's all four on the ground as well. But he is, the, he is possibly the next great running back coming out of Penn State. And Penn State are always better when they've got one of these guys coming through their system. So, Nick Singleton, keep the guy there. And then, to end it off, I'm going to go back to my favourite team at the minute, Arkansas. Raheem Sanders. Now, I really watched this guy. It's the first time I really saw him play Missouri State this week. They struggled, but this guy game-changed it for them. He's 6'2", he's 225 pounds. He's had 66 carries for 440 yards. He's averaging 6.7 yards per carry. He's got eight receptions for 117 yards and four touchdowns all together so far. He's a dual threat, but his nickname is Rocket. He is known as Rocket Sanders, and there is a reason he's known as Rocket Sanders, because his speed is absolutely blistering. Seriously, it's next level, potentially elite speed from this kid here. He is a game changer on his day and working with KJ Jefferson. That Arkansas offense is potent this year. So keep an eye out for him. Raheem Rocket Sanders from Arkansas. Now, that's everything in terms of the guys who are uh, who we have enjoyed watching so far. Um quickly go through a few of the stat leaders before we do these previews because we do want to get out of here at some stage soon so where was I in terms of um, so quarterbacks passing yards some interesting names in the top 10 for passing yards at the minute Davis Brin leads the way for Tulsa he's got 1,206 passing yards Michael Penix Washington 1079 Tanner Mordecai 1013 he's quarterback at SMU Aiden O'Connell 1000 yards exactly for Purdue they're the four guys who've broken the 1000 yard barrier so far rounding up the top 10 you've got Casey Thompson in Kosi Perry Kyle Van Treese Will Rogers Gavin Hardison and Ryan Hillinski um, none of the big names in there but Maybe sometimes they don't get all the yardage in there. The rushing leaders this season. Now there are some really nice names in here because of some of the bits that have gone on. So the top three rushers in the nation at the moment 
Chase Brown of Illinois, 496 yards for the season. Anthony Grant from Nebraska, 464 yards on the season. And also at 464 yards on the season with seven touchdowns. He's got the most rushing touchdowns of anybody. Mohamed Ibrahim from Minnesota. How great is that, that he's back, he's playing, and he looks as dangerous as ever? I think, yeah, he's the second best back in this class. He's behind Bijan Robinson. He looks like he's going to be, I think, a second rounder. But to, to come back from, like, a double serious knees surgery, like I said, and he decimated the weekend. He looked so good. He was playing a Colorado side that had given up, like, four 50-yard rushes in one game, and then one got team, like, 250. So when I tweeted, I said, put your house on him, tearing him apart. He delighted. He had, what, like 283 yards or something stupid this weekend? <laughs> Decimated him. He is like six foot four. He's like 225. He looks like Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Scary. And what what funny thing about this is, Casey Thompson, top 10 quarterback, Anthony Grant, top 10 running back. It's like Nebraska got good players. It's just they're not their problem, are they? No. I say, the skill players are not the problem because they've got a good QB and a good running back. Was it all Scott Froster? Or is it just a bad defence? I guess we'll, never, we'll find out now. I think it's a bad defence and I think it's bad coaching. I mean, the defence is good. It's got good players on it, but it's just not been playing up to potential. So you've got to figure their, uh, the coaching is in there. Um, in terms of offences, the, some of the best scoring offences so far... Michigan top 55.3 points game. We no surprise they've been playing scrubs there. James Madison, this FBS business is uh, is easy. 53.5 points per game they're putting up their second. The Vols, Tennessee, a third, 52 points per game. UNC, 51.3, their fourth. The Kansas Jayhawks, fifth best scoring offense in the nation, 51 points per game. Then you've got USC, you've got Minnesota, Oklahoma State, TCU, Ohio State, round that off. Scoring defenses, Georgia are top again, they're giving up 3.3 points a game, unsurprising. Iowa and Old Miss are both second, 4.3 points per game they're giving up. Michigan and Minnesota, 5.6. Tulane, 6.6. James Madison, 7 points per game. Wisconsin, 8. Alabama and Texas A&M round out the top 10 at 8.6. Any any surprises in the team stats there for you at the minute? That all misty is stingy. The offense is ticking over okay because Jackson Dart, like I say, still very raw. Like I say, he's still not the finished product by any means. But yeah, Link Kiffin is going to send some more defenders to the draft, I think. So we're going to, it's going to be interesting to see how they start to compete in the SEC. Yeah, mm-hmm. James Madison, I said they could live up to the FBS. Now, don't get me wrong, they've not faced the big boys yet. But so far, perfect start. It couldn't have gone any better for them life at the FBS level. And I said straight away, I think they can compete in that conference straight away. Imagine if they came in and made a title run in their first season and made everyone around them look stupid. Like, yeah. this is easy. What, what, what are you all doing? Why are you? Why ain't anyone else making the jump up? No, exactly. It's there to be made. If you do it right, you recruit right, you can do it. 
there are a lot of bad teams in the FBS who you can exploit at this moment in time. So yeah, well done James Madison. Some some good teams in there, but not surprising that Georgia and Old Miss, etc. are leading the way. In terms of receivers, top ten receivers so far. So at the I'll do I'll I'll do a reverse this time. So number ten, Trey Palmer, Nebraska again, Ryan. Three hundred and twenty-three yards and a touchdown. He's tenth in the nation at the minute. Emika Ebuka, Ohio State, new sensation. He was the return guy last year. In Big Ten return, and he had like twenty-eight yards per return. Earned his way in on special teams. He's now doing it at the top level. He's got 324 yards, three touchdowns. Juan Carlos Santana of Tulsa, the senior, 326 yards, four touchdowns. Jamari Thrash from Georgia State is seventh, 336 yards and a touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., another Ohio State protege. He's the sophomore, 342 yards. Five touchdowns. Then we reach the top five. The only five guys who are above 400 yards so far. Ali Jennings of Old Dominion. 419 receiving yards for touchdowns. Tyron Smith of UTEP. 437 yards. Two receiving touchdowns. Kalon Stokes of Tulsa. 457 yards. Three touchdowns. That's two Tulsa wide receivers in the top ten. Charlie Jones of Purdue. 474 yards and five touchdowns. And the leading receiver in the nation in terms of receiving yards right now, Rasheed Rice, SMU, 491 yards, three touchdowns. A, a veritable smorgasbord of talent there at the top of the receiving uh, rankings, right? Yeah, and Tulsa look good. Tulsa are 3-0. They've mm -hmm. started the season really well. Another strong pass-heavy offense. And I love the name Juan Carlos Santana. It sounds like a... Double or seven bad guy, like a heroin drug <laughs> lord. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's receiving yards. Receiving touchdowns, like I said, Will Shepard Vanderbilt leads the nation with seven. And then there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys with five. So you've got Jordan Addison, USC. Jacob Cowing, Arizona. Grant Dubose at Charlotte. Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State, Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State, Charlie Jones at Purdue, Chris Thornton at James Madison. Um, yeah, Jacob Cowan's coming to town soon, Ryan. Arizona are having a fantastic year. They were, I think I read somewhere, they were like the first FBS team to beat North Dakota State since like 2019. That's how good NDSU have been in the last few years. But they took them down this weekend. So I think Arizona look good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's had a good year. Yeah, again, some weird names in there you wouldn't expect to see. But there you go. Um, I'll do a few of the defensive ones, then we'll move on. Uh, the sack leaders, Jacoby Winman, Michigan State, top with five and a half. And he's got three assisted sacks as well. Um, Drew Sanders, Arkansas, five sacks as well as Derek Parrish from Houston. He's got five. Four and a half belong to Jordan Dominic from Arkansas, Leighton Jordan from Temple. And then four sacks. This takes you down to the top ten. So you've got Nick Herbig from Wisconsin, Kaleeb Johns from Kent State, Reggie Grimes, Oklahoma, Diane Henley, Washington State, and Mohamed Kamara from Colorado State. All got for there. Um, 
not many familiar names in that one. Obviously, they had a Jacoby Winman, but some of the big ones missing just at this moment in time. Just outside the top ten, you do have Solomon Bird. He's in there. You've got uh, Jared Verse. He's in there as well. But again, a few surprises in there early on in the season. Yeah, I don't know what half of them people are. Definitely a lack of household names, but that's good to see. It's, uh, it's crazy how good the Wisconsin defense is, but how volatile the offense is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's the same with same with the rest as well. Um, I'll finish with tackles for loss and then we'll move on. Um, so, leading tackles for loss in the nation, Derek Parrish from Houston, defensive lineman. He's a senior. Then seven and a half, you've got Dayon Henley from Washington State. Khalid Johns in again from Kent State. He's got seven tackles for loss to go with all his sacks as well. You've got Layden Jordan from Temple. He's got seven then you've got Kari Coleman, Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. Kari Coleman's from Ole Miss. Jacoby Winman, Michigan State, all at six and a half. And then you've got Mohamed Kamara from Colorado State. Reggie Grimes from Oklahoma. Mason Cobb from Oklahoma State. Aaron Casey from Indiana. And Tuli Tuipulatu from USC as well. So, again... Quite a few weird and wonderful names in there, but we'll do that with the stats for now. We'll do something more deep on the players the further we go into in the season. Um, Going to finish off with the reviews for this week. Might not take as long as these as we normally do. So, um, hope you've got your guesses ready for the pick watch this week, Ryan. Got the ten fixtures up there. There are some tough ones, and we're starting Friday night this week. Or Technically, very early Friday morning here. I think it's half past 12. West Virginia at Virginia Tech. West Virginia favoured by a point in this one. Neil Brown, he's the West Virginia coach. He is on one of the hottest seats in college football right now. So they tanked FCS team Towson. You would expect them to win that. But they lost in the backyard brawl to Pittsburgh. And they suffered the highly damaging conference loss to the Kansas Jayhawks. They conceded two touchdowns in overtime. They're sitting at one and two on the season. Teams having big issues on the offensive line at the moment. Players are all over the place. The right guard, Doug Nestor, already has seen time at right tackle, right guard, and center. They've struggled at run blocking. They've not registered a grade over 61 in the two big games that they've played so far. The running backs are doing okay. They've got good numbers, but... Offensive line's been really bad. JT Daniels, he's been very good so far. 753 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions through three games. And I mentioned deadly partnership with Bryce Ford Wheaton there, who is playing really damn well. He's eighth in the nation amongst all receivers with 15-plus targets at this moment in time. So this could be another one where Bryce is going to eat. Defense, it's been nasty. Coverage, the team's coverage grade is 57.2. It ranks 111 out of 131 FBS teams, uh, and that includes the grades from the matchup with Towson, the FCS team. They're bad at linebacker. Nine performances so far by three guys. Only one of them's got a coverage grade more than 70 in one game. That's one out of nine. The pass, they're terrible against the pass. 263.5 yards per game given up, which is 91st. 9.9 yards per attempt against, which is 123rd out of 131, and they give up a QB rating of 172.5, which is 116th in the FBS. 
Virginia Tech, they aren't exactly on fire at the minute. They started with a shock defeat to Old Dominion, who had that one game, 1% post-game win expectancy, the game they should not have won. Then they beat down Boston College, but it turns out Boston College suck this year. And then they played Wofford at the weekend, an FCS team. They won 27-7. to They struggled to put them away in this one. Um, this is their third home game in a row. Grant Wells... 651 yards on the season, four touchdowns, four interceptions, although they were all in game one. Um, Offence looks average. Defence is the better side of the ball here for them, but I mean, Virginia Tech, I mean, this is tough, right? Virginia Tech at home, you never bet against them because Virginia Tech always seems to play well at home. West Virginia, coaches on the hot seat, but you would say they're the better team. They're favoured by one. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm taking West Virginia. Like I said, I just I don't trust Grant Wells at all. He is a very volatile quarterback. JT Daniels is just safer. He just gives them a better chance to win. So yeah, I I don't trust Virginia Tech at all to get anything going. They've been bang average on offense this year, and even when West Virginia are good, you still have to score twenty, thirty points to be able to put them away. They have not been able to do that really this season consistently. See, I struggle with this because it's like, I know, I said this last week, I said Virginia Tech are good at home and they usually overcome the fact that they're terrible and and then they they always win when I bet against them. But I feel like if I bet against them this week, then West Virginia are going to tank them and I feel like I'm not going to win with this one. I feel like I'm not going to win with this one, so... I'm going Virginia Tech. I'm going to split from you early this week. I think the West Virginia coach, I think he's done. I think he can't come back. He can't come back from getting tanked by Kansas like that. His record ain't good. He's on a hot seat. The offensive line is not good for them. And if there's one thing you know that Virginia Tech can do at home, it's blitz and get pressure with that atmosphere in the stadium. It's very hard for an offense to hear. It's cadence. It gets penalties. I'm going Virginia Tech. Ryan is going Virginia. Now, interesting one. Clemson away at Wake Forest. Clemson, seven and a half point favourites on the road for this. Obviously, we know your love of Sam Hartman and uh, the Wake Forest team. They're 3-0 and on the year. They beat the Virginia Military Institute. They've beaten Vanderbilt. They've beaten Liberty. Just, they're 3-0 and on the season. But, I mean, Clemson... No one's really been talking about DJ Uangalele, but he's very silently rehabbing himself this year. So if you look at some of his stats, so he's throwing 65% completion at the moment. Last year it was only 55. He's got 662 passing yards, five touchdowns and an interception. Last year he threw nine touchdowns and ten picks. So it was more more interceptions than touchdowns, whereas here he's on a 5-1 to one ratio at the minute. He's rushing better. He's rushing at 4.2 yards per carry. Last year it was 2.7, so he wasn't really rushing the ball well. All those things, he's just improving a little bit in everything this year. I'm not saying he's great, but he's rehabbing, and he's not doing himself any harm. Will Shipley started the season very well. He's got a bunch of rushing touchdowns already, and, and that Clemson defense looks stingy, as it usually does, but... Sam Hartman's back. That Wake Forest offense is rejuvenated. They they messed up against Clemson last year. Wake Forest looked like they were going for that really good season. Clemson were bad. They managed to lose to Clemson when they probably the best opportunity they're going to get at it. But they're at home. Sam Hartman's behind 
you know, he's 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 under centre. Anything could happen. Chance of an upset here, or we're going with the favourites? No. West Wake Forest haven't played a good defence yet this year. They're about to play one of the best. Clemson have some of the best linebackers in the country. Trent Simpson's one of the standouts in this league. I think they're going to shut down the Wake Forest offence again. We saw him throw two interceptions his Liberty. I see he didn't look great in that game. And this is, an, this is a fierce defence. I think they're going to hold Wake Forest in check. Yeah, I'm going with you. Clemson. Clemson sweep. I do like Wake Forest. I do like Sam Hartman. But they couldn't beat them last year when they were bad. And that offence looks a lot better this year. Like I say, DJ's looking rehabbed. Will Shipley's healthy, fully fit. You know, you know how good he is. On his day, he's one of the best running backs in the FBS. I trust Clemson all the way in this one. Next up, we've got Arkansas at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, two and a half point favorites for this one. Um, you've heard me talk about Arkansas enough this year. KJ Jefferson is having a really good year, both on the ground and in the air so far. Raheem Sanders, one of the leading rushers in the nation, got breakneck speed, can stretch a defense, playing really well. In Drew Sanders, you've got one of the best edge rushers in the nation at the minute. You know, this... There are there are problems with this Arkansas team. They get thrown on. I think I saw somewhere that they have the third worst passing defense currently in the FBS, and that includes playing against Missouri State at the weekend, who threw all over them. But Texas A&M don't have any quarterbacks who can throw the ball. They rely on Devon A. Chain way too much. And for me, this matchup suits Arkansas all the way to the ground. I think KJ and Raheem Sanders can unlock this stingy defense of theirs. And um, I think that Sanders, Spencer Sanders is going to have the way of his life with whoever lines up under center for Texas A&M. So I'm, I'm just going to say it right out. I'm going to go first. I've got Arkansas for this one all the way. I full... Full confidence in KJ Jefferson to win this one. Ryan, where are you going? Arkansas by Lords. It's quite a moving upset. A&M can't score points to save their life. Okay, okay, so we're aligned there. We've both gone Arkansas road winners against Texas A&M. Um, Ash says, why does Rye sound like he smoked a pack of ciggies during the pod? I don't think he's got his headphones on anymore, so I think he's coming through a little no, bit died. differently. Oh, his headphones have died, so he's just speaking normally. That's why, Ash. Um, right, next up, um, trying to get through these quick so we can finish. So, Florida at Tennessee, the Gators going to play the Vols. Now, I've put this in as a trap game this week because, you know... This is Hendon Hooker versus Anthony Richardson. Hendon Hooker's looked okay so far. This Tennessee team have looked pretty decent. One might say they could threaten some of the bigger teams in the SEC this year. Florida, well, you just don't know what you're going to get with Florida really at the minute, do you? They look really good first week, then they kind of mess things up against Kentucky at home. Anthony Richardson looked like a world beater one week, or some people said he did. He looked alright, not great. And then he was really bad the week after. I mean, all signs might point to a Tennessee win here. But if Anthony Richardson plays well on his day, he's running well, he's throwing decently, they can put up some points here. And Tennessee have, have sometimes struggled to do that. So, you know, Tennessee nine and a half point favourites, right? Have we got an upset or are we going, going favourites? Tennessee, but nine and a half is way too big. I think... This is not the week Anthony Richardson bounces back. I just don't trust Florida. I just think they're overrated. 
Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of teams in Florida who are overrated at the minute, and and they are definitely one of them. I'm going with you. I'm going Tennessee for this. I've put it in. See, I've done this. I've put it in as a trap game again, but I'm hoping it traps someone else and, and not me. So yeah, me and you go in the sweep with Tennessee. Ooh, 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 ooh. Interesting one next. Notre Dame at UNC. Our oh, love affair with Notre Dame goes on. Notre Dame favored by one point. This is close. The betters think there's nothing in this one. Notre Dame, we've seen, have been awful this year. They barely put away Cal this weekend. They had the embarrassing loss to Marshall the week before this. It took a last drive pick six to put Cal away. You know, Cal are not good. Like, at all. And they really struggled to put Cal away. Cal could have leveled that one up. They were driving quite nicely at the time when that pick happened. So if that doesn't happen, that could have been a tie. That could have been overtime. Who knows what happened? Notre Dame have been bad. UNC, UNC put up a load of points. A load of points. They have a very high-powered offense with Drake May and Josh Downs. And the running game seems to be going pretty nicely for them. I mean, if you put up too many points on this note, this Notre Dame team can't score points. They struggle to score points. So can UNC put up enough points to put Notre Dame away? What are you saying on this one, Ryan? Easily. Notre Dame don't want the quarterback. UNC are going to win comfortably. Josh Downs you, is going to torch them. Did you see that phone call of Drew Pine like at the start of the game? Like, I think it was after the first drive the other day, and his offensive coordinator was just going, Gim berserk at him. It was like, yeah. yeah. Drew Pine ain't doing shit against that UNC defense. Yeah, I'm going with you. I'm going against the very slight favourites. Uh, UNC sweep for this one. Now, 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 now. This is an old Pac-12 one, and I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on this one. Oregon at Washington State. Oregon favoured by six points. Bo Nix versus Cameron Ward. I am going to be dance with the devil and hopefully not get burned for this one, but I'm going, I'm putting all my stock in Cameron Ward and Washington State for this one. As I said the other week, when I should have heeded my own advice, Oregon only screw up on the road. They don't screw up at home. We know this team is not good. We saw what Washington State did when they were playing Wisconsin the other week. They, you know, they out-battled them in the trenches, which Wisconsin are known for. You know, Washington State are a tough team. Oregon have failed to deal with tough teams. Washington State have a decent running back. Cameron Ward, I'm a believer in. I think he's getting better as he goes along. I don't think that Oregon defense has been very good. I mean, I've been incredibly disappointed with Noah Sewell and Justin Flo this year. They've not looked anywhere near as good as they can be. I'm going upset Washington State. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't trust Cameron Ward, but I do trust that Washington State defense. It's got turnovers in it. It's stingy. It can take the ball away. They've got guys there that gain interceptions and take the ball away. Yep, Oregon are going to get upset on the road. And this is going to throw a Pac-12 title race wide open. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're going, I thought we might deviate on that one. So no, we're both going Washington State with this one. Yeah, we don't believe in you, Bo Nix or Oregon. So please don't, don't make us eat our words again. Um, all Big 12 next. Baylor, the Bears, traveling to Iowa State. Baylor, one-point favorites for this. Baylor... Hit and miss this year so far. Won a couple. They had the, the defeat to BYU where they looked a little sus in that one. Iowa State managed to put away Iowa the other week. They've looked 
Yeah, they've looked alright this year. Receiving-wise, they've got some decent receivers there because they're up amongst the best in the country at the minute when it comes to receiving yards. This is this is a tough one. All Big 12 fixture, you know what these are like. They're highly contested. Baylor, you think of the tougher team out of these two in terms of the trenches and that, but Iowa State, no mugs. Um, I'm going to go you, to you first on this because I'm still not sure what I'm going to do here. This is an awful game. It's not. It's going to be poor quality. Iowa State were dreadful against Iowa. Baylor have already let me down. Grant Chapman looks like shit at some games like that. Oh. Shall I just like give you an over-under of 30 instead of predicting a game winner? Make it easy. <laughs> I'll take Iowa State. I'll say Grant Chapman's crap again. Right, well... I'm behind, so I'm going to have to make some calculated risks. So for that reason, I'm going to go Baylor, because anyone could win this one. I think this is this is not just one team's going to win. Both teams have a really good chance here. So Ryan's going Iowa State. I am going Baylor. Um, other trap game that I put in here, Stanford at Washington. I just don't believe that Penix Jr. is going to stay unsacked for so long. I know Penix can throw a game. I know he can lose Washington a game at some point. And Stanford, for as bad as they are, they always seem to come up with that annoying victory when you least expect them to. They've still got Tanner McKee under centre, who unbelievably is still somehow amongst the best-rated quarterbacks in this draft, which I will never know. I'll need to talk to someone who knows much more about this than me. I don't see what people see in him. But at the same time, this Stanford team can upset people. We've seen them do it in the past. Washington are 13 and a half point favourites for this. We had a 16 point upset the other week. Who knows what can happen? Ryan, do you believe in Penix enough not to stumble over this banana skin? No, but I know that that Washington defence will take away, will give more interceptions on Tanner McKee and the passing touchdowns. Washington are winning this. Tanner McKee is not beating that defence. They're just going to take the ball away from him. This is just one of those. I know that I should listen to my first thought on these because if I had, I'd be doing a lot better. Sometimes I try and overthink things and screw it. I'm going Washington as well. I have no confidence in it, but I wouldn't if it was Stanford either. So I'll go with the favourites, but I do think this is a genuine trap game. Penix can be bad. Now, I'm going to come to you first for this one because you know a lot about this situation. This is going to be one of the most heated games we've seen in some time because a certain head coach defected across boundaries and they're about to come head to head with one another TCU at SMU this is a pick game there is no favorite in this it just it's just a pick pick either um so the betting does not help on this one um in terms of the season so far the horned frogs they are, I think they're unbeaten. They've beaten Tarleton, well, they've beaten Tarleton State 59-17. They've beaten Colorado 38-13. So not exactly the, uh, the creme de la creme of opposition for them so far. The Mustangs lost to Maryland this just past weekend. They've beaten North Texas and Lamar. But, I mean, for, form goes out the window on these. This is a very heated, very nasty rivalry. Um... And I think there are a lot of variables on the day which make it hard to predict. Who um, who are you going with here for TCU at SMU? 
I think this is easy. Max Duggan's just a running quarterback. His arm's not that good. Tanner Mordecai in that offense can pass all over TCU. I guess I'm you're going to blow him out. TCU and do not do shootouts. TCU do not score points against good FBS teams. TCU rely on rugged defense and to just get over the line. Zach Evans is gone. Max Duggan, yeah, he's got Quinton Johnson, but that's not good enough. SMU easily, I'm saying. See, I think it's a little bit closer. I think, you know, you saw Mordecai tossing a load of picks last week. It's... You did, I don't 100% buy into that offence now. Now that they've burned me in that Maryland game, I'm a bit wary about going after them twice. It's a heated fixture. I guess they are at home. They will have the atmosphere advantage there. I, I will go SMU with you, but I would not be shocked in the slightest if TCU upset in that one. Which, which way was the coaching? The coaching change was TCU to SMU, wasn't it? Is it Sonny Dykes who's there at SMU now? Yeah, Gary Patterson stepped down and then he took over. So they're fighting over the Iron Skillet, this rivalry. Ah, yeah, it's the Iron Skillet. Interesting one. Then the, um, the Virginia one, that's the Black Diamond uh, trophy or whatever it's called. It looks beautiful. I think that's the last time they're playing one another in a while as well. And, and we've lost Bedlam, so a few rivalries going down the pan. Um, I think we're on to the last one now. We are Iowa at Rutgers. I've deliberately put this in here. Rutgers are unbeaten so far. And as we know, that Rutgers offense looks different this year. They very narrowly beat Temple this week. And I think it was 16-14. to 14. But Rutgers look a bit different this year. I'm not saying they're Big Ten conference contenders or anything. Far, far from it. But that offense looks decent. And now it's coming up against Iowa, who... Yes, they, they covered that 23-point spread against Nevada. They won 27-0, but Nevada are probably one of the worst teams in the FBS at this moment in time. That doesn't say a lot about them. This is kind of that new rejuvenated Rutgers offense. Can it unlock the Iowa defense, and can the defense shut Iowa out? Iowa are six-point favorites for this one, but... I don't think this is clear and cut out as it was this time last year. You'd have picked Iowa quite happily this time last year, but I don't know. And I'm going to go for the upset, and I'm going to put my money in the Rutgers basket. I'm going to bet against Iowa again, even though they burn me every time I do. I just have some belief in this Rutgers team this year that that offense can can unlock them and do something a little special. What about you, Ryan? Rutgers are going to win 8-7. <laughs> It's going to be a crap low-scoring game because that's what Iowa do. Spencer Petras, still a shit quarterback. Didn't even play that good against Nevada. Tells you everything you need to know about him. This game will be ugly. But at least there's potential for points in that Rutgers side. But yeah, Iowa, this is going to cap off a really shitty year. And I think it's funny. Like I said, taking those Iowa Hawkeye fans down a peg or two. Yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah, I think it's it's been a bad year for them. So, are you going for Rutgers as well, then? Yeah. So, we've got Rutgers. A Rutgers sweep. How often did we think we'd be doing a pick watch with a Rutgers sweep this year? Not very likely. So, that is the pick watch fixtures. In terms of other, other ones that are on this weekend that might uh, cause upset, I mean, Kansas State playing Oklahoma. Kansas State nearly beat them last year, didn't they? They did, yeah. Nearly. Yeah. Yeah, Kansas 
Kansas State nearly beat them last year. That could be intriguing. You've got Utah or Arizona State. I'm guessing you giving the Sun Devils no chance in that one. It'd be just like us to go out and win it, but of course we won't now. But Xavier Valade might get four for 100 yard rushing game in a row. Mm, interesting. Tulsa Old Miss. We're just saying how good that Tulsa offense is. Do you yeah, see? Do you see the? Do you see that like in the mate Like the they could be the marshal of this weekend. No, I think that Ole Miss D is going to stop them. I think Tulsa have played some bad defenses in past them, but Ole Miss is one of the stingiest defenses in the nation. Fair enough. I think there could be an upset there. One that I left out the pick watch. I was sorely tempted to put this in, but I want to get your views on it before we finish. Um, the Longhorns travelling to Texas Tech. All Texas rivalry, and we know how they love to screw up on this one. Texas Tech, I mean, they screwed us the other week when they beat Houston. They're a decent team, even without their starting quarterback. And the Longhorns, no Quinn Ewers, you know, no Bijan potentially for a little while. I don't know. Do you see a Texas Tech upset there? I don't know. I trust Hudson Card. I think they might just squeak over the line, Texas. But I think Texas Tech probably their best chance to beat them for a long time. I think they'll hang in there really close. Possibly. Um, Wyoming at BYU. We write off Wyoming every single week and they win. Can they beat BYU? I would say no, but I feel like yeah, if we I say think, no... <laughs> I think they could. I think BYU could now suffer back-to-back losses. Okay. Um, all right, last one, because I know we've been on a while and I will, uh, we'll get us out of here. Let's see how big your James Madison fandom is. James Madison, App State. Shoot out. That is good. 50-44 App State. That is going to go... That's going to be fireworks. Yeah, I would I would recommend that as a game to watch this week. So absolutely, um, you've got that there. Um, there are a few others, but we can go through them next week. Um, is there anything else you want to mention before we uh, before we uh, go off the air this week? Uh, oh, one last one: Boston College, Florida State. Could is this could this be Florida State's banana skin? Not unless Xavier Flowers can play QB and receiver. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go with Florida State this week. Um, right, sorry, anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Nope. All right, lovely. Well, well, thank you to everyone who's joined us this evening, who's stuck with us to the end. We lost a few going through, but we've been going a few hours. Thank you, Grandizer. Um, I know you've got another show you're going to do, so... Um, enjoy that thank you for joining thank you to everyone who's joined us on twitch through the evening as well um oh i've missed a few from ash sorry ash um to put the cat amongst the pigeons he says tanner mckee or jordan travis maybe john travis yeah i really don't like tanner mckee and i like stanford quarterbacks i just don't like tanner mckee i'll go jordan travis as well with you so thanks for that ash and thanks for the bits that you've uh, redeemed to do that so yeah there we go right just remains for me to go through um everything yeah have a good day grandizer as well thank you for joining us so our next show is tomorrow the main detroit lions podcast from roar of the lions uk um 
We will be chatting Minnesota Vikings, the preview. We have CJ, our regular Minnesota Vikings uh, sparring partner on with us. I'm hoping to get one of Grandizer's recommendations on as well. So I'm going to work on that as soon as this stream is done. So thank you for that, Grandizer. Appreciate all those recommendations. And then me and Ryan will be back with the college pod next week. We will be taking a look back at week four previewing week five and we'll maybe start some more in-depth pieces with some of the player positional groups as well um just remains me to go through all the socials for the evening um oh where are we so youtube roar of the lines uk thank you to everyone for pushing us over 550 subs we really appreciate that we will continue knocking out the content hopefully get some more of you on board on route to 1000 twitch rotl underscore uk we're over 100 on that as well so thank you to everyone who subscribed to us on there on facebook you can find us at our page roar of the lines uk and our facebook group detroit lions fans uk one pride worldwide on twitter you can find us at ROTL underscore UK. We've just gone over two and a half thousand followers on that. So again, thank you. We're one of the smallest NFL fan pages in terms of uh, specific teams still. So we're trying to change that. Instagram, you can find us at ROTL UK on our website, www.roaredlinesuk.com. I'll write to Ashley Soden, putting up some terrific preview pieces for the Detroit Lions opponents at this moment in time. I know he's going to be taking a lot of shots at Kirk Cousins this week, and I cannot wait to read that one. So hopefully uh, go along, support him, and read that piece. Thank you ever so much to you all. Just remains for me to thank Ryan Plusky to thank Hank for another week of great college football action and we shall see you next week so until then one pride